Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend Friday. Good Friday. morning, everyone, and welcome to a special Friday edition of the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. We'll be here for the next three hours. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It is seven o'clock in St. Louis. Good morning, XFL Brooke. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yes, I am wearing my XFL hat today, even though the NFL draft started off yesterday. Um, I'm feeling really good this Friday. I don't know why. I don't know if something in particular happened last night, but I'm feeling really good today. I'm glad. And Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is with us. Does, do you ever get bummed out on draft day because of what happened to you on draft day? Uh, not really. You got the ring. You got the ring. started that out. I, I don't. I, I, um, you know, I do think sometimes I feel like I wish I would have been able to been, have been drafted. But, you yeah. know, it, everyone's story is different. And you get to pick your spots. Uh, there That's you go. That's the way I look at there it. There you go. And, uh, yeah, we do have th- – th- there was – fun last night. In Saint, it, w- it was a joyous evening in St. Louis. The Cardinals win! Cardinals are coming! They They don't allow runs and they just score them in bunches. If you do that, Generally, that uh, leads to a W. Pretty good things, yeah. yeah. Pretty good things happening. Yesterday in San Francisco, the Cardinals do win it by a score of 5-0 over the San Francisco Giants. Great pitching pairing. Yes, sir. Six. Oh, six nil. That's right. I forgot about Goldie's little uh, ground ball at the end that uh, provided the final run. So even better, half a dozen, cousin. And yes. that sixth run <laughs> means 60-cent drinks at Mobile on the Run today. Enjoy. You're welcome. Means oh Greg Warren's God. dad's really happy. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's a happy guy. Scoreless game, bottom of the fifth. Bases loaded. Dairo Estrada at the plate against the Cardinals' superb starter, number thirty-nine, Miles Michaelis. Little tapper, race to the plate, and the tag in time. What a play by Kisner! Unbelievable effort from Andrew Kisner to erase VR at the plate. He's the only man that could have made the play, and somehow he did to keep this game scoreless. You know, we've had a pretty good run here. Ted Simmons is in the Hall of Fame. Mike Matheny was an all multiple all-star gold glove catcher, and Yadier Molina lasted for 20 years. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Nice to have those guys followed by Andrew Kisner. <laughs> I just I knew where you were going with that. But you do have to give Andrew Kisner a lot of credit because that felt like we keep talking about you just need little things to go their way. And it seems like typically we are seeing these really bad innings where mm-hmm. the Cardinals are just making kind of a dumb or silly mistake. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of worried. You're seeing that unfolding. You're like, oh, my God, no, please, no, don't let this happen. But Andrew Kisner 
the way that he was able to execute that was just absolutely huge. That felt like something possibly that you could build off of momentum-wise. There was an old football Cardinal coach. He all wound up winning a, a, a championship, a national college championship at Alabama by the name of Gene Stallings. And he really said it all. And he said it about football, but it applies to every single sport. And really everything that you do in life, to win the game, you got to have players making plays. And that's what the Cardinals had yesterday. They had a player making plays. Scoreless game, plays. Scoreless game, top of the seventh inning, uh, a show favorite Alec Burleson steps in. Swing drive, hit high in the air toward right. That ball is going, going, gone. It's one nothing. And the Cardinals built up on that lead. Uh, an RBI hit by Tommy Edmond. Another RBI hit from Dylan Carlson. And then another show favorite in the eighth inning, Paul DeYoung. Swing and a high, towering fly ball to left. At the track, at the wall, it is gone! Paul DeYoung with a mammoth two-run homer. Paul DeYoung was sensational yesterday. He was two for four with that home run. Miles Michaelis, also sensational. He goes six and a third. He allows four hits, no runs, and he struck out six. Strike three over the inside corner. Michaelis paints and Wade's retired. There's a good start. And at the letters, strike three, Yastrzemski frozen, two strikeouts for Michaelis. That was nicely done. Short lead at first, the pitch. That's over the inside corner, and Sable's caught looking. Good pitch. She really tied him up. He got him, and Michaelis carves up the Giants in the sixth. Michaelis working quickly. He throws. VR strikes out swinging. Just kind of a wild swing at a curveball. Chip Carey had the calls on Bally Sports as the Cardinals win it by a score of 6 to nothing. By the way, our guy, uh, Miles Michaelis, really thinks that he could have made the play that Kisner made, but he, he benefited from it. Yeah, um, I mean, I was about to field it. He could have just, you know, kind of stayed put and I'd have, I'd have flipped it to him. We had time. I think that ball kind of took off, but, uh, you know. Catchers might be the second best athletes on the field after pitchers, so you know that's definitely a definitely a great play for him to make right there. It was a really good play, and you know, Brooke, you said it. One of the things that when you're not performing well, that ball just dribbles and in, into like a space where no one can get to it, and the run scores easily. And now the game is tied for them to make for Kisner to make that play, get him, tag him out, tag him out at home. It was a special. A special moment because you definitely had to get that going to in order to not give up that run and not allow them into that game. If, and it's been the, the complete opposite, you know, for the last few games. Yeah, it just felt like it's one of those games. One, I just wish that we would see this somewhere else other than just the final. What is it about the final games of the series that they tend to kind of put things together a little bit more urgency and desperation brooke okay yeah maybe maybe we need to play with that every day Uh i don't know i I don't know maybe that's a game plan (laughs) but either way miles michaelis you like that he is trending in the right direction andrew kisner that was such a heads-up play by him yesterday and that was just huge momentum shift wise because you could argue that what he did that that led to the everything else with alec burleson paul DeYoung. because once you have that momentum shift in your way it just gives those guys so much more confidence. And, I mean, Paul DeYoung, what in the world? I mean, he's looking great. He's, what is he hitting? He's hitting 471, uh, checks notes through 21 plate appearances. There you go. There you go. Let's see if he can sustain this, though. But right now, he he looks pretty good. Because, honestly, when I saw the lineup yesterday and I saw Alec Burleson and Paul DeYoung, I was kind of a little bit of a skeptic. 
Oh, really? <laughs> I'm just saying. Is, is that fair? I think yeah, it's a I little, it's little fair. fair. I think it's a little fair. But at the same time, I guess, I guess it paid off. I was surprised that Dylan Carlson wasn't in the lineup yesterday. But, you know, you could say shoulda, woulda, coulda because everything worked out. But I was surprised he wasn't in the lineup yesterday. Cardinals are going to be at L.A. tonight to open a three-game series. You guys ever remember Carrot Top, the comedian yeah. Carrot Top? Yes. Uh, his doppelganger, Dustin May, is going to pitch oh. for the Dodgers tonight. <laughs> and he'll be opposed by Jack Flaherty making a hometown appearance. Flaherty against May tonight, and that's a 9-10 start on Bally Sports. NHL playoffs last night. Lightning stay alive with a 4-2 win over the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. The Devils blank the Rangers and stay alive with a 4-0 win. And the Golden Knights eliminated the Jets 4-1. NBA playoffs. St. Louis and Jason Tatum was terrific. 30 points, 14 boards. Celtics eliminate the Hawks. 128-120. So the Celts move on to play the Sixers. NFL draft. No surprise. Bryce Young goes first overall to Carolina. Mild surprise, C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State, goes to the Texans with the second pick. Huge surprise, the Texans trade up again to have the third pick in the draft, and they take Alabama defensive end Will Anderson. I think they really liked Will Anderson, and and obviously they did because they had to trade back up. They couldn't take him second because if they did, someone would have came in and took C.J. Stroud. They would have traded with the uh, Cardinals for that third Mm -hmm. pick. So they had to strategically take Stroud and then take Will Anderson, and I I think the Houston Texans did a really good job. That was a that was a good draft for them. The surprising draft, Rock and I were talking about it. The running backs, uh, Atlanta Falcons taking B. John Robinson, and the Detroit Lions taking <laughs> Gibbs. I, I, that, to me, was probably the shocker of the draft because you got two running backs there right now. I don't know. Uh, I, obviously, DeAndre Swift is mm-hmm. going to more than likely be cut, but I thought that was a surprising pick by them. Brad Holmes, their general manager, is a Mike Mart's disciple, and it's about speed, 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 and more speed. So one thing my, I, Mike Mart's used to always say is you want to have five eligible receivers, meaning mm-hmm. all five of those guys being a threat, not, you know, you don't want to have just that blocking tight end. That guy is not going to be a threat in the passing game. All five of these guys are eligible and can catch the ball and be a part of the offense. It puts more stress on the defense. Indianapolis wasted the fourth pick by taking Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, out of Florida. Oh, Randy! Oh, huh. What do you mean? Why would you say wasted? <laughs> well, he's, he's never going to be good. Let me put it that way. Oh. According to all of, of, of the, you know, people, he has the most upside of anyone in the draft. In, in, in quarterbacks for a long time, he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks they have ever oh, seen. he's athletic, Kerry. Yes. Good, good, good. So, yeah, that, you got that going for you. Which is nice. Uh, let's just take a quick look, shall we, at uh, his completion percentage during oh, the course I of his... I don't know if you... Does that it, matter? It, I mean, yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of important. I thought it was just what they looked uh, like in, like, workout clothes that on draft is, day. That is important as well. Okay. Uh, so right. last year... To some people. Uh, he threw, for the first time, by the way, the guy has started a total of 22 <laughs> games in his uh, career. Uh, and uh, last year, in his most extensive action, he threw 327 passes for 2,549 yards, he threw 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions and completed 53.8% of his passes. So uh, before that, uh, he threw, he was one for two in his first year at Florida, second year at Florida. He was uh, 38 of 64 for 59.4, negligible sample size. The guy is athletic. I'm going to give him that. But players... I think what ha- has happened with teams is that Josh Allen happened, the one guy that improved his completion percentage in the history of the sport and became more accurate thrower. And they think, oh, we can teach that. You can't teach that. Right. You got you got guys that have, you know, you got 
Mitchell Trubisky, who played one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's not a yeah. not a good one. No. Okay. Well, Here's the I thing. Mean, and I know this is totally old school, but Bill Parcells said that to really evaluate a quarterback, he had to have 30 starts in college, at least 30 starts in college. Hmm. I believe that that's the case. I think that does give you an idea, a, a better idea of who they are and what they are, how they handle different situations. If you're only watching one season, you may not get a real feel for for if they're able to handle different stressful situations and multiple starts, couple of years starts to give you give you that big picture of who they really are. Yeah. So it, Richardson is he, he's. A pick. Uh, <laughs> a pick. Then Illinois took the cornerback we all love. I-L-L. I-N-I. Uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois. I, man, I liked watching him play number 31 for the Illini. He would come up and hit everything moving. He's a corner. He's physical. Great footwork. Great speed. And, uh, you know, just going to lay into you when you are uh, trying to catch that ball into the flats and can cover really well. It's, it's fun to watch him play football. And two other notes, Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, did not get selected. And Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, the 11th pick in the draft to Brooks, Tennessee Titans. Yes, I was sweating last night. If anybody was following me on Twitter, I was. I just was, I kept tweeting, please, Titans, don't take Will Levis. Just please don't. And it looks like nobody really wanted Will Levis no, <laughs> in the no. first round, at least. Can we talk about how weird that was that you had a Reddit user basically propel you mm-hmm. to be projected the top number one pick, and then all of a sudden that happens? Yeah, it's amazing. And it is. He'll get taken somewhere, but I don't think he'll be very good either. I, I think he's <laughs> it's kind of like taking Anthony Richardson, except uh-huh. lower. You're wasting as good a pick. That's what uh-huh. I'm going to say. Uh, we are off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy coming up. The Cardinals are rolling. And we're going to tell you how they can advance things against the Dodgers <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Little tapper. Race to the plate. And a tag in time. What a play by Kisner. Yeah, that's what Cardinal baseball is supposed to look like there. Um, you, you think of some of the small details, nuances of the game. That'll do it. They much needed win. They are not swept in San Fran. And the way they played, hopefully, will jumpstart them the rest of the way on the road trip. We're doing some little things. You got Nolan um, cheating that guy on the steal, being able to score. So th- there's a lot of positive things that came out of today. But that's the style of baseball we need to play. Tell you, Wall, the Cardinal skipper, and the call from Skip Carey on Chip Carey. Chip. On uh, Valley Sports Midwest. Ollie, Ollie, don't go so far as to say we're doing the little things. Just say we did the little things today, okay? Don't. Uh, don't. I saw your face when yeah. you heard that comment. Yeah. You want you me should. to talk about the day before? Yeah, you know, no. We, no. We, we, we can we, talk we about the past before, is the past, okay? It is. It is. The, yeah. uh, not making the errors, not making the mistakes is the one thing that obviously has been a, a hindrance to the Cardinals' success. Mm-hmm. Brooks said it. that play at the plate was a huge play for me because if you don't make that play, which it hasn't been happening, it's going to snowball. And then here we go again becomes the mindset. You make that play, you feel good, you can get out of the inning, and now you momentum, as you said, goes to your side and you can get guys up there. You get to, you get an opportunity to score a run a couple of innings later. And so now you're feeling better about yourself. If you had not made that play, you're really feeling down. So – let me get this straight. A good winning recipe is strong starting pitching, really good defense, and timely hitting. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We could and we could probably 
manage some ball clubs here. If you're going to have a really good team, yesterday was a microcosm of what your season needs to be because you're getting production and important elements of the game from people that are not your stars. Kisner makes that play. You get the the home run from Paul DeYoung. You get RBIs from Burleson and Carlson and Edmund. When you're going to win, you need unexpected contributions. And yesterday was was kind of that. And by the way, one of the things the Cardinals need to figure out, it was nice for Nolan Arnato to get a hit, but they still need to figure that situation out because he, he just looks out of sorts. And thank goodness Paul Goldschmidt is hitting like he has been for the last week or so. But the Cardinals, they they showed a lot of good things. The, the troubling aspect, I guess, for me is, is every team does that. Every every bad team has games like this all the time. You're going to win 60 of them. And every bad team has games like this. So I don't know if this is a harbinger of things to come. I hope it is. But the the last three weeks for the Cardinals, actually the whole season, the last four weeks, would lead us to believe that they're probably not going to be able to. Not, I shouldn't say that. That they aren't going to do that. They're able to do it, we know. But are they going to do it? I don't know. They, they they need to string together a couple of wins. Mm-hmm. They have had multiple losses in a row, but they need to be able to string a couple of wins together to get that feeling. And I said the other day, you know, they played last yesterday in San Francisco. You probably got to L.A. late last night. Maybe go out to dinner, hang out mm-hmm. with one another, do some things, build some camaraderie because it just feels like it's really disjointed. They aren't all on the same page at the same time. And so you got to find ways. I know I heard that they, they didn't have batting practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. Maybe that things like that that can get you uh, going and get you feeling better. They got to figure something out to do it multiple games in a row, though. You know, Arenado's got his warehouse in Orange County with the batting cages, but you don't. But he's also got like a a huge man cave in there too. Mm. So Nolan could have just taken his the group over to the, to the warehouse. Come on over. Yeah. Yeah, and just just relax. I you know, you bring up Nolan Arnado and it's tough because you don't want to be too hard on him because we've seen where he goes through some of these kind of slumps and we know that he breaks out of it. We know the talent of a player that he is. He's really really good. You don't have to say that, but at the same time it is a little bit concerning because this feels different a little bit. I know that some people have been speculating is this because we've got text in about this yesterday. Do you think that he's hurt because at the World Baseball Classic, remember he got hit by the pitch and people are wondering mm-hmm. does that have something to do with this? I also tweeted out, uh, retweeted a video the Cardinals did. I don't know if you saw that, where after they won, they're coming in, and Nolan Arenado just kind of had this like very serious look on his face. Everybody's like high fiving, like mm-hmm. Miles Michaelis and all that stuff, and Nolan Arenado just kind of looks like, eh, meh, you know, or just mm-hmm. like you know, very just serious and stoic. I I had some people reply to that, and they're like. What's going on? And I don't know if you guys saw the video was like everywhere. People are like, he's not happy. What is going on? Mm -hmm. People are worried. I think it can be multiple different things. One, he's frustrated knowing him and how big of a competitor he is. He's frustrated with himself right now because he knows that he can be a difference maker for this team. And two, I feel like a guy who's that intense, he's just a competitor. It takes him to a minute to come down. I'm sure you know, CD. <laughs> yeah. There's some guys, you can win a game, but they are just so yeah. intense into that game, into the moment. It takes them a little bit to come back down from kind of that high of the game situation. Yeah, some people you just, pre-game, post-game, you give them a 30-minute window. You don't bother them. You leave them alone because they are still in that game mode. I agree with you, though. I think he is... Um, frustrated with his his lack of performance and the one thing that 
concerns me or could concern me is when teams aren't performing well, people start doing things out of the norm and, and trying to do more as opposed to just doing your job. And right now, every man on the roster just needs to do their job and it'll eventually come around. They, mm-hmm. Yesterday was a good example of that. Everyone doing their job. When you start pressing and wanting to do more, then you start you know making m- more mistakes and, and things not going in your way. And maybe things will turn for the Cardinals this weekend, the 2023 World Champion Pirates knocked off the Dodgers yesterday and took a series from them with with a 6-2 victory. Mitch Keller was the winner over Julio Urias. And the Dodgers are only a 500 team right now. They're 13-13, and 13, so it's not like they, well, okay, the World Champions beat them still. But it's not like they're a team that can't be beat. You, you let that, the who? The 2023 World Champion Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> We're still in 2023. He, he, they're gonna. They're, they're the champions already. I think we've they've already crowned. determined that. Have okay. we not? <laughs> at, at what point? At what point though? They are. They are going on a decent run. Do you give them a little bit more credit? None. Zero? When no. They win, okay. When they, when they win the World. As the local okay. pessimist, I do want to point out that both the Mariners and Giants were below 500. Okay. Well, thank you for just <laughs> popping in and saying that. Where did that come he from? He is <laughs> negative Nancy. Yeah. Where did that Swanky. come from? <laughs> just saying. It's like, like <laughs> dives are below 500. I'm going to point out what just happened. Was that the SpongeBob SquarePants where, is it, where yeah. that, that like uh, boat noise? Or, uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know what rock, rock you. We appreciate <laughs> you here. Thank you for keeping the you Thank know you. keeping Thank us you for... grounded is what you do. <laughs> Randy, can I get a little Cardinals are coming to after that? Yeah. Okay. The Cardinals win. Cardinals, Cardinals are coming. Cardinals are coming. Tra tra la. The Cubbies are going. Tra la tra la. They just went two and five against Team. Hey, oh. hey, what do you want? You got a you got a burly burly bomb last night. You had Paul DeYoung stepping stepping up. You also had. Did you? Can we talk about that catch by Tyler O'Neill? By the way, oh, yeah. that was good. I saw hustle. You saw there. hustle. I you saw, saw effort. hustle there. Can, can we track that one down? Can we talk about Paul DeYoung? Do we want to talk? Oh, are we? Are we? Stud. Are we? <laughs> what is he ready? Stud. I mean, he has been doing very well. Uh-huh. 18, eight hits and seventeen at bats. He's he's. I don't know if it if it's fixed if it's fixed for for the future or if it's just you know right now. But he's looking really good. It's science with it's, him. It's it's absolutely science. It's, it's mental. Yeah, it's all mental. This is a game that is so it's so the the mental aspect of of sports is so important. And if you are out of it, if you are struggling, it feels like it's just spiraling downhill. And and Paul DeYoung was in that has been in that. I hope this is the version of him that we get to see. You know, going forward, we were talking about players that the Cardinals wanted them to tinker with their swing. Yeah. Was Paul DeYoung one of those guys? Well, the problem is, think of anything in life that you could do well with five different voices in your head. <laughs> anything? <laughs> could you do anything well with five voices in your head? I don't know. I don't. I'm, That's is that schizophrenia? Is that? Yeah, is it that, is. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you know, he's he's sitting there with two hitting coaches here. He's got a personal hitting coach. He's got Jimmy Edmonds. He's got other coaches uh, down in Memphis and stuff. He's got the manager. Last year, he's probably got Pujols. Probably had a half dozen voices in his head, and the most you can have is one. The most you can have and succeed is one. You can, you have to figure, but that's on the athlete. Like, that's on him to say, okay, I'm going to pick this information, this information, and I'm going to do away with the rest of it. And I have to figure out 
which part of what I'm receiving is beneficial to me. You're not wrong. But if you're Ali Marmol and you have two hitting coaches and yourself and Albert, what you have to do is get everybody in the office and say, okay, the guy's messed up. He's got all these voices yeah. in his head. Let's just apply one person to him. That is important as well. So as coaches, one thing that I often tell our coaches is we have to be, we have to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I can't say it one way and then you say it another way and then coach over there, you say it another way. It's the same it's the same, same message, information, same message, but it's yep. being said in a different way, and it can be confusing to people. So making sure we're all speaking the same language is important when you're talking to, to your athletes. But, yeah, Paul DeYoung on his way to the – I wonder where the All-Star game is this year. <laughs> I, just, you, I know you're Seattle, not being serious, right? Seattle? I think it's Seattle. <laughs> what, what, name a better shortstop. Is there a shortstop that's hitting over 600? Seattle. Good job, <laughs> Another shortstop hitting over 600. Okay. Randy, oh, it's man. five games. Relax. <laughs> R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Come on, I don't want to do that. Oh. Yeah. You first, you're last. There we go. That just happened. So, we love this guy, Paul DeYoung. Uh, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some golf with our buddy Jay Delsing. Next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. to get out on the golf course and Jay Delsing joins us now as he does every Friday here on 101 ESPN. You can hear Jay 9 to 10 Sunday mornings with Golf with Jay Delsing. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Randy, and I have never been confused playing all the golf in all my years. You guys were talking about having different voices in your head, mm-hmm. and I know I know Brooke doesn't know who Sybil who is, but you guys can explain that to her yeah. next break. <laughs> I, I do that. Now, Jay, I, I have a question for you. Is Because asking for a friend as somebody who uh, knows somebody who puts, puts the ball five, six, ten feet beyond the hole, how do I improve touch or is touch simply innate and I can't learn it? Nope, you can learn it. And we, um, gosh, we've been talking about trying to get out and and working on your putting. But the, the biggest thing with um, for, for practicing your putts from distance is a couple of drills. One is to go through your normal routine right before you hit the putt, close your eyes and putt. And then just tell you, and then, and then do not look up review in your mind what you felt and and try to determine what happened. Did I hit that short? Did I hit it left? Did I hit it right? Did I hit it long? And then look up 
and then and then and then make your adjustments. And then the other one is do what Jordan Spieth used to do is do the exact same thing and then look at the hole and see what happens when you quit looking at the ball. It will give your mind a complete freak out and you won't with your eyes closed. You'll wonder if you'll even hit the ball and you actually will. You may not hit it solid every time, but you will. And it takes away all of this thought and gives you only feel left. You guys, it's really a good, uh, really a good, drill from distance and the other thing is randy most guys and gals don't practice long putting they don't practice from from 30 feet and 40 feet and then when they get out on the golf course that's that winds up what they have most of the day are these long putts and the quickest way to lower your scores is to eliminate three putting rand mm-hmm. so i just need to think it, like it really jordan is. spieth yeah. is that what you're saying just think like jordan spieth it wouldn't hurt, Brooke. It wouldn't hurt. But, you know, when when we were doing this uh, TV for Fox and anyone was out with Jordan and his caddy, Michael Greller, we never had to say anything because Jordan is wound so tight. He talks through every possible scenario with Greller. We didn't have to make any comments. We just got as close as we can so the microphone could pick up the conversation. <laughs> and then we just shut the hell up. Mm, okay. And Michael Greller must soak his head in a bucket of ice at the end of the day. He, <laughs> he gets an earful on every – I mean, there was one occasion, and I think Jordan wound up winning the U.S. Open, but it was the most vanilla 80-yard shot with a perfect lie in the fairway to an easy pin. And Jordan talked it over for oh, a good five or six minutes, and all of us were just kind of rolling our eyes like, man, even we could hit this shot. You know, come on, let's go. Jay, we were talking earlier, and Brooke brought up the fact that Nolan Arenado is a intense is an intense player. You know, maybe talking to him thirty minutes after a game is not a good idea. Who is the golfer that pregame, uh, pre-match, uh, or post is one of those guys? You just have to let him cool off for about an hour before you can uh, have any conversations with him. Boy, well, when he was young, John Rahm was like that. John Rahm has really done a great job of learning to. Uh, settle down the anger and the demons and all the things that, that run run hot with him. And, and, you know, Gary, as you know, life off off the course and off the field helped a lot, too. He got married. He's had a couple of children. And, you know, there's that uh, maturation that goes on. I can remember, guys, when I had Tony LaRusso on the show, and I, I said, Tony, what's the worst thing about you? The best thing about his job was getting to go to the park every single day, and he absolutely loved it. The worst thing? He said is that they did not give him at least 30 minutes to unwind from what happened on the field, and he had to go in front of the media and talk about stuff that he still was confused about sometimes and pissed about. He said it was by hands down the, the worst part of his job. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's interesting that you bring up John Rahm because that's what I was going to ask you about next. He got off to a really good start in the Mexico Open, and we know that this would mark the 12th win of his PGA Tour career, but he told reporters yesterday that he believes he already has 12 wins on his resume. He said, and I quote, technically, I shot the lower score at the 2021 Tour Championship, which I still count as a win. I could think of a couple times of maybe I could count things as a win where I started out good. <laughs> what do you, uh, yeah, what'd you make of those comments? Let's sit down and talk about that. I, uh, well, so the tour championship is a weird animal, right? Because they, they've, they've done this really cool thing to, to, to develop a FedEx cup and FedEx has been a great supporter of the PGA tour. But when you get to that tournament, 
it's called a weighted event, and I actually hate this. But whomever is the the, um, the number one point getter on the uh, in the FedEx Cup race gets like a head start. I don't know how else to say it, but he he, he starts with a, like a couple stroke lead. And so what Rom is saying is, we played four rounds. I shot the lowest score, but I didn't get the win because he he because I think. Scotty Scheffler, I believe, was the leader that year, wasn't he, Randy? Either that or, or I know Rory wound up winning the the FedEx Cup, but I think Scheffler started the week off at at the front of the pack. I think I think so. Hey Jay, I, I, we have talked a lot about live golf on here, and I, I have one interesting live golf note. And a lot of people have those PXG clubs; they're the, the biggest marketed clubs. They aren't a Callaway or a Taylor made, but Bob Parsons, who is the founder of PXG Clubs, basically ripped into the live golfers, and he said he's not going to work contracts anymore with Pat Perez, Patrick Reed, Hudson Swafford, and Jason Cockrack, who all were PXG guys. They all leave. He says I'm not redoing my contracts with them. I think it's really interesting that a golf Golf club manufacturer has come out this strongly against the live golf guys. Yeah, and Bob Parsons is a maverick. He is. He does and says what he what he wants because he created and owns GoDaddy, mm-hmm. and it's given him that kind of money where he can kind of say and do whatever he wants. But Randy, he was also a, he's also a former Marine, right? A Vietnam and veteran. He take, yep, and he and he takes his military service extremely seriously and and gives discounts for the men and women that have supported the country. And I was actually surprised that it took so long for him to come out and say that because most of us thought, well, this guy, I mean, he can't, he's not going to be able to stand live because of the Saudi connection and the Saudi money and the, you know, the, the PFL and that whole thing. And so it's not really a surprise, but he's an interesting guy when it, when it comes to the way that he markets his clubs, because he basically gets on his ads and he kind of screams at you, you know, and tells you these are the best clubs and you better buy them. And he also charges like three times more than he should, (laughs) you know, he kind of just throws it at you. And, um, I, I do know this. He, what he did was he poached three really good club makers and, and, and really well-respected, well-known guys from the Ping uh, uh, company to make him some clubs. And so his clubs are really good. But, man, I don't know if they're worth what he's charging. Jay, I looked it up. Sybil came out in 1976. I feel like I was forced to watch that in class at some point. Uh, some some type of – we were learning about <laughs> schizophrenia and, and all that. Sybil is a, is a movie. Uh, Sally Field uh, okay. performed, was in it, and she um, – she had multiple personalities. It sounds familiar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was it was a requirement <laughs> in class. I appreciate the support, Gary. I I know I'm the oldest guy on the show right now. Oh, I remember. Brooke is going to well, be like, "What the hell?" But guys, I, every I can guy, tell you a, Jay, every guy in high school should have be forced to watch that. I yeah, various reasons. I I'm in. I'll sign. I'll sign. I'll sign that petition, ready for sure. <laughs> I guess I will look this up. I yes. will look this up. Movie. It is. Is, is this, are you guys going to trap me into no, no, no. It's something a, I don't? It's, it's I'm intriguing. not going to regret watching. Just, she's got multiple personalities. Yeah, it's yeah, see, someone else from the 314 said they probably were in the Hazelwood School District watched as well. It in watched school. it in school. You're watching yeah. this We watched school? it in school. It was for a class. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry and, to interrupt there, Brooke, Jay. It may or may not have been hard for some of the men in her life to try to figure her out. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I will watch this possibly at some point. Yeah. Since this was something that was so important that it must be 
be shown in schools. I guess I need to get educated <laughs> in this way. Oh, boy. I think we have some backlash. We got some backlash coming, guys. I'll report yeah. on Monday. How about that? Yes. Jay, who do you have on the show on Sunday? I've got Joe Schwent uh, from oh, the Country you. Club of St. Albans. Joe's a great guy and, um, and just does a lot for golf. And, and he's actually created, you know how you have the Belichick tree in uh, the NFL? Joe has uh, has done such a great job. You know, he started over at Bell Reeve under uh, Jerry Tucker and has just produced so many great uh, young men and women that have gone on to, to different places and they're, they're continuing the great work that he did. All right. We're looking forward to that on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Jay Delsing, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. we got to get out. The weather's going to be good. We're going to get out. Yep, i got an open week next week. I'll shoot you a text. Sounds great. Thanks, thanks Jay. Guys. Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN, and hopefully the the, the, the whole crew here. Can you just let me know the day and time, Randy. Okay. I'll make it work. We'll make it work. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text in now. We'd love to hear from you. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. Guys, this is an interesting one. I think you can go either way on this. 125 Monday morning, James Harden gets into an argument outside the Flamingo in Vegas on the heels of Philadelphia advancing in the NBA playoffs. Apparently, it was a guy from his own crew, and he he kind of smacked the guy, and, and then they went about the rest of their early morning <laughs> in Vegas as if nothing had happened. But take it or leave it. James Harden should stay around his team during this time between playoff rounds. I'm going to leave it, and I'm going to leave it for one reason in particular. When James Harden was playing his best basketball, he was also one of the best tippers at the oh, yeah. after-hours mm-hmm. uh, places. So yeah. they actually at the, at the ballet, at as the it ballet, were. Yeah, they, they actually hung his uh, jersey mm-hmm. in one of the those establishments yeah. from the Raptors. Raptors, Did they really? Yeah, because they he, he's re, he, they retired his jersey. He 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 contributed so much to mm-hmm. that establishment that they felt the need to you know embrace him in a way that would live forever. And so they, I love yeah, that. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, helping some young ladies through college. Outstanding <laughs> philanthropist he is. He is, he is. <laughs> He's legendary. Uh, and this is why I think it's an interesting and difficult question because I, I am totally on board. I respect Carrie where you're coming from. I just believe that from a competitive standpoint, that the best thing to do is to rest up and be ready for the next round. Yes, to for some people. But again, James Harden is powered off of not much sleep. He's a guy that can stay in those because those establishments, from what I've been told, generally stay open until the <laughs> sun comes late. up at 5 a.m. So maybe his playoff history is that he's gotten too much sleep. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and he's realizing that he needs to go and do what he needs to do. Is it the Dennis Rodman <laughs> yeah. effect? There you go. That would be who he is. Didn't he have like a one for 23 in a game he seven did. one time? They, That was terrible. They yeah. just kept shooting threes and kept missing them. 
them out. At some point, go to the hoop, man. What are you doing? Some point. <laughs> Randy Lamar Jackson uh, finally signed his contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Take it or leave it. The Baltimore Ravens are a Super Bowl contender. Now. I'm going to take that. I think they are. They just need health. They need their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, to be mm-hmm. healthy. They need OBJ to step up and be a number two receiver. I think Bateman is capable of being a number one. Mark Andrews has to be there. And th- th- we know they can play defense, and we know they're well coached. So with the former MVP, maybe future MVP, uh, I say they are a Super Bowl contender. You think so? I do. I think, yeah, I mean, they, they, and they and they also drafted Zay Flowers in the draft, who was an outstanding receiver from Boston College. They're adding to that that depth that they need uh, from the explosive athletes on the outside. And if they can get J.K. Dobbins healthy, they can get that running game, and they're not leaning so heavily on Lamar to be their sole running back as well as their sole quarterback, they're going to be really good. What do you think, Brooke? Uh, Ravens, Super Bowl? Or bus? Sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll just go with that. I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I have thought. They should win I that division. Wanted... They almost won that division yes, last year I, without I'll Lamar. I agree with yeah. that. I agree with that. Okay. Um, I had two that I kept mulling back and forth between. Take it or leave it. Jack Flaherty will win the Battle of the Irishmen tonight on the mound. Flaherty. Take it. Take it, yes. My other, take it or leave it, I don't know if you guys saw this, the Springfield Cardinals have come out with like a unique jersey. I guess a lot of the minor league teams are kind of doing this right now where they are putting out these unique jersey names. And they came out with the Springfield Cashew Chickens. Take it or leave it, you knew that Springfield was known for their cashew chicken? Going to have to leave leave that, Brooke. Apparently it's a <laughs> yeah. it's a Missouri delight, and I had no idea. I had Cashew no idea. chicken, yes. Missouri State alums, I know you're out there. Text in and tell us how mm-hmm. the cashew chicken, where the cashew chicken is in Springfield, Mo. I am a cashew chicken devotee. I really Here, like. I'll cashew show you guys chicken. what we, it looks like. We got the spot. The, oh, and the jersey looks great. Oh, there's okay. that. Yeah, you can see the cashew Interesting. chickens. It's going to be on the hat, too. So, what would, if St. Louis did one, I, it would be toasted raviolis, yeah. right? Yeah. But what, what else That's could you really do? That's really good. Yeah. I haven't had a St. Paul. Is it the St. Paul oh, sandwich? Uh, you're, you're, how about the pork hey. steak? The St. Louis missing. pork steak. Eh, pork I, steak. I would yeah. rather have. Uh, uh, we're pork steak, yeah. St. Paul sandwich. You got to get one. What What's in it? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I also don't I, I like that, to typically know what I'm going to eat. I don't believe that in general, even though it is a St. Louis delicacy, I don't believe that uh, people generally recognize that you uh, that you that the the St. Paul sandwich was made here. But here's the thing: people that leave St. Louis can't find pork steaks where they live. Really? Yeah, so they have to get pork steaks sent to them from mm. St. Louis. So yeah, you just put a big old barbecue pork steak across the chest. It said pork steaks. Interesting. It says that, somebody texted in, it's rumored that cashew chicken was invented in Springfield. Interesting. Mm. What? Sounds delicious. I like cashew chicken. I don't know that I've ever had that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Same you don't cheese. seem like you want to have I've had cashews <laughs> and I've had chicken. I yeah. haven't had cashew chicken. Yeah, there's a sensational... <laughs> Chinese place right across our street here at, at Ballast and Olive called Zhang Chi. Okay. And their their cashew chicken is terrific. Oh, okay. Great. So give it a shot. Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Anything better than that? <laughs> Actually, <you did. laughs> this is insane. Somebody texted and said, take it or leave it. If you took away the shapes, tricks would taste different. What? 
the shapes. Yes. What is, it's why are all they the same, it isn't it? Tricks, um, Listen, um, Fruit Loops. You guys bring a food topic. It, and I see it on the, the text line. I'm gonna read it. What you don't realize is that they all are the same flavor. They're just different colors. What? Fruit Loops. No. Yes. Wow. That's that's a crime. Okay. That's a crime. I don't believe. I'm, Individually, I, believe I believe you. Blind test taste. I believe you, but I'm angry about it. <laughs> Next time you're gonna tell me Skittles <laughs> are all the same. One time bring uh, the. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. During the pandemic, we had a <laughs> cereal contest, Michelle and I, because Michelle is like, she knows every cereal in the world. And it came to my attention, and there is no question about it, that the best cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, and there's no I, question I about disagree. It. It's great. It's what great. is yours? Cabin Crunch. Okay, yeah. Mm. With yeah, the crunch, crunch Yes. yes. Ooh, that thing gets stuck in your teeth. <laughs> Sign me up every day. All day. It, it does. It gets stuck to the oh, roof oh, of your oh. mouth, but it's still worth it. It is worth it. Uh, we get uh, important texts here. Uh, <laughs> 314-399-9646. Fruity Pebbles now has a crunchy version, exactly <sighs> like tricks. Mm. Uh, oh, wow. Nah. That's, that's impossible. 100% tricks taste different. If they aren't shapes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> is that like a mental thing? Is that what they're saying? Know, like you just it's, it's a placebo <laughs> effect. Yeah, yes. Differently. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, I swear to God, if you tell me all the Lucky Charms marshmallows are the exact same flavor, I'm going to get This furious. person said Skittles are all the same flavor, too. No way. They're just, they're just colored differently. It's a mental thing. <laughs> if I gave you a red one and told you to close your eyes, you wouldn't be able to tell it different from the green one. I wonder if Marshawn could, though. I don't think so. That should be that. I'm sorry. That should be illegal. I'm, that makes me people. People need to be in handcuffs and behind bars for that. Oh, we got the always reliable. Uh, oh my God. chicken Wikipedia page. Yeah, no. It Ch- actually when you when you click on it, it it says Springfield style cashew chicken. That is pretty cool. Wow. I have no idea. Cashew chicken is pretty proud good. Proud of our state. I have no idea. Amen. Proud, Take, <laughs> proud of our state. Take it or leave it. Will Will Levis is in the XFL or CFL within three years? I'm gonna leave it. He's going to be, I mean, he's a quarterback. Even if you're a backup quarterback, you get to stay in the league unless you choose to go to the XFL like A.J. McCarron I think there were some like 67 starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year. It's a lot of people. It's a position that is uh, always in need. Yeah. This text from the 314, S'mores cereal is fine dining in the cereal industry. Mm. I don't know if I've I've had had it and it was good. I don't know. It was good. I don't know. I think I'm still, I'm still... Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Anybody here? And ever? the milk when you get done is just delightful. That's it's so sweet. <laughs> it's, it's it's delightful. I, I agree with Carrie 100. Also, have you ever had like the honeycomb cereal? Yeah, I'm not oh, a fan. It's 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 that's like it's sugar a, smacks. It's a low key. It's a, it's, mm. you know, it's it's low key. Trust me. <laughs> Taking or leaving with their first win in what seems like forever. The Cardinals are going to the World Series. Trala, trala. The Cardinals win! Cardinals are coming! Yep, take it. See, I take can be positive. Can you give us a yeah. you? Well, I think a texture can be positive. Yeah. And then you can read the text. That, that's pretty much how that works, huh, Randy? <laughs> speaking, speaking of which, I saw somebody texted in. I saw that somebody texted in that the Titans will take Will Levis. I saw your text, and how dare you? <laughs> it's not a first and round And I'm purposely pick. ignoring. So it's it's actually a, a, it's beneficial. I don't want him. I don't uh, want him. We already have Willis. We did the same thing last yeah, year. And look at how that there. panned out. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, 
I like this one from the 314. Take it or leave it. White Castle should do yes. a hanging sliders promotion. The last one goes a long way. Who's your spokesman? Oh. I, I was I was going to say... I, who are you thinking? 56. <laughs> well, I was thinking someone that we all know and love. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's our guy. BT. Oh. Oh, wow. Because he would He would buy into that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you probably shouldn't take an active guy who just allowed a nah, game-winning home wanna, run on a hanging slider the no, other day. You don't want an active guy. You don't want that to be. <laughs> but BT would be perfect because yeah. he, he leans into it. He yeah. loves that type of stuff. Take your leave. This time next year, Flaherty's going to be on the on the Dodgers' mound in a Dodgers uniform pitching. I'm going to leave it. And here's why. I think if he would have been healthy, that he would have been one of the people that they went after to sign to big money. But they have so many injured pitchers. With May coming off of Tommy John and Walker Bueller this year, and uh, obviously Clayton Kershaw, I don't know if he'll be back for them next year, but he's had his health issues. I would think that if they're in the market for a free agent pitcher, that they would want somebody who's a little bit more durable. And the only guy Andrew Friedman has signed as a free agent to a contract, well, the only pitcher that he signed to a contract for more than $100 million was Trevor Bauer, and that did not go well, not comparing Jack Flaherty to Trevor Bauer. But I think they have so many pitchers that they've developed in L.A. that they'll just go down the line with those guys. Yeah, you can. I mean, Trevor Bauer is a different set of circumstances. Yeah, that was off-field. But they just got burned yeah. on it. Yeah, I, I just need to leave this one. This person texts from a 314 area code, but I think we need to change that. Because okay. they say, take it or leave it. Pork steaks are the worst steak that can be purchased. And I, I just think you should have like a you know six one eight area code. <laughs> yeah, I what agree. You, you or nine one four or three one two three one two. Yep. You can get right out of leave it. You can get right out of out of here with this. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that, new, that. What's that new area code that they're adding to St. Louis? Oh, I forgot he what needs that to, is. We need to take his three one four, give one, it to one, somebody one. who loves St. Louis, and <laughs> and, and, and and move on. Yeah. I can do it out of pork steak. Really? I I, I really good. Oh, I really delicious. <laughs> I could do without it. I don't necessarily need it. What do, What do you eat it with? Is there I, like Is there like sides that you have? You just nothing. A about, fork and a knife. What about, no chi- what about toasted wraps? Start with toasted wraps. Like toasted wraps. Like, like, butter cake chicken for dessert. Steak? Yeah, I'm cool on that too. Are you? I mean, I. I when you grow up eating certain things and and you just don't necessarily need to, it's not something that I need to go eat. Like, eh. it's a summer like Salisbury steak. Yeah. I don't need to no. eat Salisbury steak ever again in life. But pork, <laughs> yeah. I had more than enough. My feel. Pork steak, though, is Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Labor Day. It's it's yeah. a St. Louis holiday tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, yeah. it doesn't have to yeah. be. I'll pass. It is. I'm okay. By the way, the Dodgers' uh, <laughs> top pitching prospect, Bobby Miller, has an ETA of this year, 6'5", 220-pound right-hander, and then uh, they have another kid named Gavin Stone, who's all to be there this year, and then they have another right-hander by, by, the, by the name of Ryan Pepio. All their, their top, not all their top pitching prospects, and this is of their top ten, one, two, three, four, five are right-handed pitchers who are all expected to arrive either this year or next. So I don't think the Dodgers are going to be in the market necessarily for a free agent pitcher. That's the way I look at it. I'm sorry. I'm just reading these text messages <laughs> about pork steak. Uh-huh. And also, Eeyore over here just ignited the 618 area code <laughs> view. <laughs> I'll meet you on the Eads Bridge. Oh, good luck. All right. Thanks for, for your everyone. text. We do appreciate that. Matthew, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Randy. And keep smiling. Uh, coming up <laughs> on 101 ESPN. <laughs> uh, 
Ollie expanded on why Alec Burleson is getting as much playing time as he is, and we really do appreciate why. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Swing drive, hit high in the air toward right. That ball is going, going, gone. It's one nothing. Chip Carey the call on Valley Sports. Alec Burleson the home run. And Derek Gould has an interesting piece about Burleson at stltoday.com. Brooke, Carey, Randy, it's 8.06. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. What John Mosellock told Derek Gould is, what we want to see out of someone in our outfield is power. Slug matters. Thus, the Cardinals wanting to get more lift from uh, Jordan Walker and why he was sent down. Ali Marmol said of Alec Burleson, we like his at-bats. He takes a competitive at-bat, he has a plan, and executes on his plan. In this game, sometimes you can execute your plan and you still don't get the result as far as game planning and having an idea of what people are trying to do to him and com- combating that. He's done a really nice job with that. Burleson hitting 232 with a 406 slug and a 699 OPS, all below average, but the Cardinals like what he brings analytically and what they believe what he does predicts will happen. So rather than actually taking numbers, they're taking hope. A number, <coughs> sorry, I lost my voice for a second. It made you, you choked you up I, a little bit hearing me, it. It choked me up a little bit because going into yesterday's game, he was 0 for 9 across his previous three games. And so if you're looking at some numbers there, that's a little bit concerning, but a little bit of credit. I did see this. He struck out just 10 times across 82 plate appearances. So maybe that's something that they're looking mm-hmm. at analytics wise. Um, you do have to give him credit for yesterday, but I I think we all would like to see it more on a consistent basis. And that really does go for the entire outfield now. Yeah, I think. And it's Brooke, you asked this question. What what is the mindset? What's the philosophy of this team? Is it we're going to sacrifice uh, defense, defense for for power at the plate because that seems to be the route that you're going. If you got Burleson in the in the outfield, you know he's not as as great of an outfielder as Dylan Carlson. If you got a couple of other guys, it's not as as is it as important to have the defense as it is to have the offense. And if the offense isn't hitting, then where are you going? It it leads to you know a multitude of questions as to what this team's philosophy is and where they're trying to go with this outfield. And when you do look at OPS, which is what the Cardinals base a lot of their evaluation on, the outfielder outfield is led by Lars Newbar with an 8.30 OPS. And then Burleson comes in next right now at 7.39 after yesterday. Walker is at a 7.18. Tyler O'Neill is at a 7.02. And then Dylan Carlson way down at 6.41. In terms of slug, which is what Mo referred to for the outfielders, uh, you've got... Burleson leading that group with a 444 slug. So if if that's what their primary focus is, is to get slug out of their outfield, then Alec Burleson, better than anybody else, not anybody else in baseball, but relative to the rest of the outfielders on this team, he's delivering what the Cardinals are looking for. Do you think that they'll put out the same lineup today as we saw yesterday? Sounds like that's what they want to do. It, the no. quotes from Mo would indicate that that's what they want to do. No. 
Because they don't. They won't. I mean, it'll be different. I'm sure uh, Wilson Contreras will be in today. So it'll be adjusted a little bit. He won't be batting where Kisner was batting. And so it'll be different. But I think just the I would like to see at least your top five hitters be consistently the same. You know, mm-hmm. have your leadoff guy, your two-hole hitter, knowing who those guys are and figuring out where everyone is hitting from day to day. And there are some stuff similarities between Logan Webb and Dustin May. Not exactly, but there are some stuff similarities there. Obviously, it's a different ballpark in L.A., and hopefully you'll get a more— uh, hopefully this ballpark will continue to turn Nolan Arenado on. It's a team he grew up watching as a kid. His family's going to be there. And hopefully Nolan can break out of what ails him. But are, are you guys, when you talk about having a lineup, are you guys ready to sit Dylan Carlson for a while? I mean, if he doesn't perform at the plate, he got hit yesterday. But if he's not performing at the plate and you've made the the – you know, the the decision to go with power at the plate versus having defense in the outfield, then yes, you got to have an odd man out. You sent Jordan Walker down to create opportunities for three guys to play. Now, instead of having five, you got four. And one of those guys is going to be the guy that is alternating when a guy needs a day off. And you have to figure out, I think you should have to figure out who is going to be your three outfielders every single day and where they're batting in that lineup. And in only 52 plate appearances, Dylan Carlson does have the lowest slugging percentage on the team. Well, and I think that that, what that article specifically points out is that is the identity. We talked about that yesterday. We've been talking about that all week of what is the identity of this group and is that message really translating and are the players buying into that? What that article tells me, and also putting Burleson out there yesterday, that tells me that you are looking for more offense from your outfielders because... As we said, if you're going to talk about your best defensive center fielder, that's Dylan Carlson. Now, getting these guys to all buy into that and seeing it work out, I feel like that's going to take a little bit. But that was, I feel like, the point of sending Walker down so that you can figure out this competition amongst those outfielders of who is getting what you want out of this. But at the same time, I, the Dylan Carlson situation, do you feel kind of bad that this was somebody that w- they were so high on? We talked about it yesterday, that quote from John Mosellock about not trading him. You have to pry him out of his like cold, dead hands, mm-hmm. and he's fallen so much out of favor with the Cardinals. If I was a prospect and I was seeing that, I'd be a little bit concerned. And there's interest in baseball for Dylan Carlson. Teams want him on their team. So I wonder if the Cardinals are worried about that. A guy who's obviously talented. You learn the most about your system by what other people want. Yeah. And I would think that if other teams are calling the Cardinals and saying, hey, what's the availability of Dylan Carlson? That might give them pause. Well, I mean, if they are, if you're not going to play him, if he's going to not get everyday opportunities, everyday at bats, then what's the point of having him on your roster? If you can trade him and get something in return, more pitching, something that can help this this team be a better team, you would have to to take that into consideration. No doubt. If you can get a starting pitcher, there's absolutely no doubt that the Cardinals are, he's wasting away on the yes. Cardinal bench right now. So why, why bother? And he's far and away the best outfielder defensive wise that they have I mean you if maybe maybe you use him in late game situations maybe you do you know <laughs> you take out Burleson and put him in center and kick one of those other guys over the right field maybe that's what you have to do you know and, and allow him to be a part of the game late in the game when you have a lead so you don't boot the ball in the outfield mm-hmm. and, and allow you know your the opposition an opportunity to get back into the game you know who could really use him the 21 and 5 Tampa Rays Tossing that out there. 
<laughs> there's their center fielder right now, Manuel Margot, hitting 203 with a 582 OPS. That is not something that Dylan Carlson does. And I, Tampa has a way of getting Cardinal outfielders to perform better. So if you're showcasing, I guess my thought process with this is, if you're showcasing Paul DeYoung, which is, we know that's what's going on mm-hmm. right here, why not Dylan Carlson as well if you are going to, to your point CD, possibly look at trading him? Wait until you have left-handed pitchers to face. Because he just doesn't hit right-handed pitching very well. Or maybe he's not the one you're trying to showcase. Maybe it's Tyler O'Neill. That could be. That maybe could you're be. trying to get Tyler O'Neill as many at-bats, as many opportunities. We don't know. some, But we do know somebody's going to be gone because what they've told us is the best prospect in baseball is going to be back here and at some point this season. And when he comes back after getting his swing corrected and, and ability well, not to not corrected, lift, messed up. Well, I would I, I would say I think they're going to say correct it uh-huh. and getting him to lift and drive the ball a little bit more. Then someone's going to be out of a out of a job. Yeah, it's true. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that's today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, MLS season pass match analyst Danny Higginbotham joining us to talk a little St. Louis City SC here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. St. Louis City SC welcomes the Portland Timbers to town tomorrow night for a 7.30 match at City Park. City SC trying to keep things rolling. And we welcome to the celebrity line Danny Higginbotham, a match analyst for MLS Season Pass. And he'll be the analyst for tomorrow night's match between City SC and the Portland Timbers. Danny, thanks so much for the time. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the game. Can't wait for it. It's going to be my first visit. So I've heard heard nothing but good things about everything involved with it. And what have your impressions been of the the play of St. Louis City SC? Brilliant. I love it. It's one thing it's always going to be is entertaining. I love the way that, you know, they've they've come into, into MLS and just gone for it. They've got a definitive style. Um, the way that they've gone about things is as in terms of bringing certain players into the club from abroad uh, the season before so they could acclimatise, get used to everything, get settled. And how they've how they've hit the ground running, I think there's full credit deserves to go to Bradley Carnell and the players, the recruitment. It's just been, it's been brilliant. And I'm sure that it's probably above everybody's expectations so far. Danny, we're obviously in tune here with City and, and their performance. I'm intrigued about what everyone else is saying about City, about their season, about their start, and, and obviously it's it's been fantastic. But how do other people perceive them? Oh, it's 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 difficult because obviously myself, you know, I'm going to different grounds every week, so you're concentrating on that. But the few people that I've that I've spoken to, it's just like they're playing with a real sense of freedom, a real sense of freedom, and I love to see that they're they're showing sometimes sometimes when new franchises come in or a team goes into a new league you can show too much respect i always believe that you have to show opposition respect but at times you can show them too much respect i think with st louis what they've done they look at all the teams they're playing against they show them respect but it's like okay we respect you but the way that we play is our identity and if your identity is stronger than ours then good luck to you Hmm. but at the moment it's the way that St. Louis play is very, very unique. So the problem you have as an opposition team is that 
each team has its principles. Each team has its identity. But in order for you to potentially outsmart St. Louis, you would have to change your style for one game or two games a season, depending on how many times you're going to be playing St. Louis. Now, if you do that, then all of a sudden you're potentially sending a message to your players that we can't, we can't beat them at our own style. So that in itself can cause problems. And then if you change your style for one game, it's like, well, hang on a second, you're changing your style to accommodate us. We've been doing this style for however long it is now. So we've got the advantage. So they're a very difficult team to play against because it's unique and you don't come up against this style really any other time when you're playing an MLS team. With that style that City plays with, is that intensity, is that something that can be sustainable for an entire season? See, one of the things that people that, that people will say is that, and, and I've heard this said about a number of clubs before all around Europe, people talk about, oh, well, you know what, they're doing all this press and they're doing this, they're doing that, and eventually they're going to tire from it. That's one argument. But the other argument is, is that whilst you're pressing and you're putting all the pressure on the opposition, the amount of times that the, that the opposition just needs to get rid of the ball. The ball goes out of play, then you have your rest then. You're not pressing 24-7. If anything, you're tiring the opposition out because mentally they're getting tired because they're trying to play through you. They can't play through you, then they're trying to play over you, but there's too much pressure on you. So I'm not a believer that you tire as the season goes on with this pressing because at times they'll be pressing, other times they'll sit off, and then other times they've just completely driven the opposition into the ground so therefore they can take a break themselves so it, it it's mixed up a bit but I understand completely where people are coming from but teams that I've seen do this to a similar extent obviously not as intense I've not seen them get tied because there still is a rest moment within that game when the opposition are like we just need to get the ball out of play well, kind of speaking about their style of play, it's very physical, as you kind of touched on there, and it's be kind of come, become a hallmark of City SC style. But in a way, it's a little bit of a two-headed monster because the team has been called for a league-high 143 fouls this season, so that's about 16 per game. What do you make of that, and what would you do about that moving forward? I, do you know what? Why, why change anything? That, that's what I would say. I, I wouldn't, and you know, I would be a hypocrite if I said anything different. Because when, you know, for for four or five years when I was in England, I played for a team called Stoke City, and we had we had a lad called Rory Delap who had a long throw. We were in the Premier League, and we were finishing ninth, tenth in the Premier League, and we were the most physical team in the league. And what we understood, and this is what I like about St. Louis, they know their strengths and they know their weaknesses. And for me, that is three quarters of the battle. If you, if you know your strengths, but you don't know your weaknesses, that's a problem. So if you look at St. Louis, every single player that plays in that team, their identity is St. Louis. There's not a player that you look at and go, mm, I'm not too sure if he fits this identity. And that's where the recruitment's been incredible because from my side of things, I look at St. Louis and I go, right, first of all, they discovered the style that they wanted to play. Then they brought in the players that suited that style. Whereas a lot of teams, you'll have a manager come in and they'll be like, right, well, I've got this group of players, but they don't play the style that I want to play, so they're going to have to adjust. And that's a recipe for disaster. Where you have now a team that has all the characteristics, each player has the characteristics of the identity of the team. And for me, that is absolutely massive. So in terms of the fouls and everything, isn't I remember in, in England, everybody would go on about Fernandinho, one of the greatest defensive midfielders in the world, playing for one of the greatest teams in the world, and Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. And everybody used to moan and say, 
Pepinecki's fouling all the time, but he doesn't get a yellow card or he doesn't get suspended. That stops the counter-attack. And you know what? At the end of the day, the only time it's going to stop is if people go, well, he's getting a yellow card, he's getting a yellow card. Oh, wow, we've got four players suspended at the same time. Then you may need to adjust. But for me, I look at the St. Louis team, you're top of, top of the West, highest score is you scored three or more in five of the nine games. Long may that continue for the, for the style and, and the way that you're playing. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And if you're a neutral and you're looking for a game to watch, then you've got to watch St. Louis because you know more often than not, as far as I can think, it's not going to be nil-nil. You'll be able to hear Danny Higginbotham tomorrow on MLS Season Pass. By the way, it's an Apple TV free game tomorrow. St. Louis City SC taking on the Portland Timbers over at City Park. You mentioned Man City, and this week St. Louis City SC announced that they have hired Diego Gigliani as their new president and general manager. Uh, What's your familiarity with him? What does he bring to the table for them as an executive? Do you know? No, to be honest with you, I don't know too much about him. But the one thing I would say from from my time in, obviously, in MLS, your general manager and people behind the scenes, they have such a vital role to play. You know, when you look in, when you look in Europe, sometimes behind the scenes, it's just about okay. They certain certain individuals will bring money to the club, but it's a lot different than that over here. That's you know that's my experience so far. And if you have the right people in charge there, then you have the opportunity then to be successful on the pitch. If you don't have that, then you know most more often than not things are going to unravel. So the only thing that I can say so far when I look at St. Louis and I look at the background, and obviously I don't know too much about the the gentleman that's coming in, but it's like when I look at the structure and the way that they've done everything, everything's been done piece by piece. And if you're looking at, if you're looking at, if, if you're a team that's trying to get a franchise now and you want to see how things are done, then you use St. Louis as the model because they've done everything the right ways in terms of the recruitment, as in terms of getting the players in early, the style, the manager. Everybody is aligned. And when everybody's aligned, you're in a really, really good place then to have success. And St. Louis, the way that they're going, I'm sure that they've surprised a huge amount of people. The biggest thing for them going forward now is that they are going to be paid the utmost respect. And teams will probably go, we know what they want to do, so we're going to adjust and we're going to sit a little bit deeper then can you conquer that? And if you can do that and evolve as teams are respecting you more, then you're onto a winner. Danny Higginbotham will be tuned in tomorrow. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy your time here in St. Louis. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Take care. That is Danny Higginbotham. He is from MLS Season Pass. You'll be able to see him free on Apple TV tomorrow. By the way, Diego Gugliani, uh, what Carolyn Kindle said was that he'll help uh, us take the next step in our ambitious journey to become a global soccer brand. And I do think that is very ambitious. It's wonderful to have that sort of ambition on the part of St. Louis City SC, but that's a pretty big undertaking for all of the these sides that have been around for hundreds of years in Europe for the first year St. Louis City SC to have that ambition is notable and I, I love their gumption as Panger would say. Just the forward thinking, just the, yeah. the thought that you will be able to do that is is amazing. I think they've done, City has done a fantastic job and when you're winning Randy, it makes everything that much better. It makes everyone become more engaged. If they were, you know, hadn't won a game this season or, or were match. struggling excuse me, a match this season or <laughs> were just, struggling. I like how we always wait to say that. <laughs> It was uh, it would be different. So, you know, the fact that you're winning and you're having success and people around the country are really paying attention to what you're doing is uh, it helps a lot. Matthew, we've got a pretty good side, don't we? Great side. We're atop the table. We're top of the table. I'm I'm wondering who's going to be atop of the formation without 
Uh, Zhao Klaus said they're going to go with just mm. one with Nico. Or yeah, Nico will be the guy. You think, they, they, think they go with Thomas Ostrak or Rasmus Allman, push him up to the strike, to the other striker spot? I, I believe that I would go Ostrak and push him so. up if, if the necessity so. arises. But we talked about Allman. Um, yeah, yeah, a big Rasmus Allman over I here. I am. Like Kylie I think Rosen he's done really good. There. Yeah, I he think he's done good. really good. Remember I asked I asked Lutz about him the other day? Yeah. I'm all in on Alm. Bottom line is, the yeah. thing, with this, in, the thing with this game is, it's the first time they're playing three <laughs> matches in a seven-day period instead right. of just two. So you add in the fact that Vasilev got a lot of run on Tuesday, I just wonder how that maybe will affect things. Well, they're all well-conditioned young athletes. Yeah, the, the, the training's been well yeah. for them. So Portland on the fixture for tomorrow night. That was a good one, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Needed to get that out there. Uh, and do, do we have a, a fighter for the a, a fighter in the fixture we coming need, up? We need a fighter for the fixture. Okay, so we, the fixture is a schedule, if you, if you aren't aware of the soccer lingo. So we're putting together a, 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 a fight fixture, and we need a fighter. So you can just text in the word fight to 314-399-9646. Okay, we'll play the game. 314-399-YO-HO! If you'd like to join the fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Noah. Noah, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. You texted in, Noah wants to fight. Are You must be ready to roll. <laughs> Man, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Okay. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and Brooke knows me pretty well, and, and she's, she's always called me a young Randy character. I have not. I have not, Noah. Talk your talk, Noah. No, and uh, just before we get some texts in, we still picked him fair and square, just picking randomly out of here. But still, I have never said that about you, Noah. And I, I probably won't <laughs> even after this. Well, Noah, if you believe, you can achieve. So here we go. Bijan Robinson became the first running back drafted in the top 20 of the NFL draft in five years. Which running back was drafted in the top 20 of the 2018 draft? Was it Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, or Saquon Barkley? Oh, uh, let's go with Elliott. Prior to Young Stroud last night, which was the last quarterback combo to go 1-2 to start the draft? Was it Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, Joe Burrow and Tua, Trevor Lawrence, or and Zach Wilson? Um, what was the second again? Joe Burrow and Tua, and the others were Let's Goff go. and Wentz, Lawrence and Wilson. Let's go Burrow and Tua. Who was the last Cardinal? Who was the last pitcher to record a World Series win for the St. Louis Cardinals? Is it Michael Walker, Lance Lynn, or Trevor Rosenthal? Oh, well, that's a kind of a curveball. Trevor Closer. Uh, let's go, Trevor Rosenthal. 
<laughs> Sorry, we just said something. Why are you out. laughing? I'm a, nothing. Uh, number three overall pick, Will Anderson Jr., is a, is the official Alabama career sack leader with 34 and a half. But Alabama still recognizes this eventual NFL Hall of Famer as the sack king with 52 career takedowns. Is it Leroy Selman, Joe Green, or Derek Thomas? I have no idea. A. <laughs> okay. All right. We will double check the score and we will bring in Randy Character. Noah, how you feel? You know, I never watched the NFL draft, so what a great day to be on the floor. Yeah, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you get a, a, a subject or a sport that you're unfamiliar with and, you know, it well, happens I love, that way. Like, I love NFL football, but it's just I never watched the draft. Like, last night was the first time that I ever watched the first round. <laughs> well, that was a, well, there you go. Good time. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Say hello to Noah. Noah, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Randy? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. I just knew you were going to say something else. All right. What? Nothing. <laughs> How's your art going? Oh, yeah. <laughs> something about an art. I, I thought you were going to thank you for all you've done. Yeah. <laughs> You guys, you, you guys, come on now. We learned from you. Okay. Brad, here we go. Okay. Bijan Robinson became the first running back drafted in the top 20 of the NFL draft in five years. Which running back was drafted in the top 20 of the 2018 draft? Really? Top 20. I am going to go with Saquon Barkley, who was taken number two. Uh, by the Giants, I will do. I will go with eighteen because he just had the free agency, right? Eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty, twenty. Yeah, I'm going to go Saquon Barkley, number two, New York Giants. Prior to Young Stroud last night, which was the last quarterback combo to go one two in the start of the draft? Is it Jared Goff? And no, Cardinal? I don't need that. Oh, sorry, I don't sorry. That. I, Come on, no. I don't Come know why on. I did that. Settle I'm sorry. I've done it. Don't I know. You know, I'll just do it as my lifeline so because uh, people will complain. So just go, do the lifeline and I'll, I'll give it to you. Sorry. Nope. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Joe Burrow and Tua, or Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? I will go with uh, T-Law and Z-Dub. Z-Dub. You think his teammates call him that? Oh, no. They don't. No. No, they don't call There's him. There's something they else they call him. Guy. Yeah. Jag, just a guy. <laughs> that might be, yeah. or or Cubby, you know, because he hangs out with Cougars. Oh my! Oh God. no, Randy. See, <laughs> who was the last pitcher to record a World Series win for the St. Louis Cardinals? The last pitcher, yep, to record a World Series win for the St. Louis Cardinals would have been in 2013. And I don't, eh, you know what? Maybe it was Michael Walker. He lost the last one. I think I'll go with Michael Walker. Number three overall pick, Will Anderson Jr., is the official Alabama career sack leader with 34 and a half. But Alabama still recognizes this eventual NFL Hall of Famer as the sack king with 52 career takedowns. 52 career takedowns. I am going to play the logic card here. And I am going to go with Derek Thomas, Pro Football Hall of Famer, who had the tragic car accident on his way to St. Louis for the NFC Championship game, 1999. Yeah. Yep, terrible. I had honestly, I have no idea how it slipped. How it slipped that it was connected to him driving to St. Louis for the NFC Championship game. Really? I never knew that. Yep, little icy streets are just outside of San Fran- or outside of Kansas City. Yep. Oh man, horrible. Yeah. 
We have to declare a winner of today's fight. Did Noah come in and take down Randy Carricker? Are we going into our least favorite part of the weekend with Randy Carricker losing one? Or do we all get to roll into our weekend happy and healthy? Ring that <laughs> bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Noah. Randy Carricker won today three to one. Oh, man. I figured that he was going to get his right in pairs, at least. Oh, oh, no! There it is! There it is! That was, man, I'm so happy you saved it, Randy. That was a really good one. Let's go through those oh. answers. Bijan Robinson became the first running back draft in the top 20 of the NFL draft in five years. It was, in fact, Saquon Barkley near the very top of the draft in 2018, who was the last one. Prior to Bryce Young and CJ Shroud last night, the last QB combo to go one two to start the draft was in 2021 Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson what a great pick by the uh, Jets and who went third overall in that draft Trey Lance who also having a stellar mm, career yeah. who was the last pitcher to record a World Series win for the St. Louis Cardinals Michael Waka won game won the first win the Cardinals got in that that four to two loss in the World Series the second one was Trevor Rosenthal in game three of the World Series hi Rosie I know you're listening Number three, and congratulations on the Rosie takes his kids to school and listens to the oh, show. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, he might be pitching somewhere. I wonder if he, you think he was like yelling at the thing, like, I know this one. It was me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> number three overall pick, Will Anderson Jr., is the official Alabama career sack leader with 34 and a half, but Alabama still recognizes Derek Thomas as the sack king with 52 career takedowns. He, according to Alabama, had seasons of 26 and 17 sacks in his time there. He's a good player. So I'm sorry, Noah. So, hey, guys, so, so think about this, though. You got a draft with Troy Aikman going first. Tony Mandridge went second. Uh, Barry Sanders went fourth. Deion Sanders went fifth. Derek Thomas went fifth. Fifth. Six. Four of the top five are in the Hall of Fame so of that draft in '89. That's really nice. Aikman, Mandridge, Sanders, Sanders, Thomas. That is a re- absolutely just preposterous yeah. draft. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Noah. Thanks for joining the show, Noah. Yeah, great job. I knew right when there was a draft question, I was I wasn't gonna. Do well, so all right. <laughs> well, thank you for all you did. We're building the ark and stuff and bringing animals. Yeah. We appreciate that. Life, appreciate life's that about part. timing, Noah. Life's about timing. That's, a, that's original, bro. <laughs> uh, I love how how uh, Rock says we get to go into the weekend happy <laughs> when he's really referring to him. <laughs> yeah, it's like the like the royal we. Yeah. By the way, as I look at the uh, long range forecast here, like the starting on May. Fifth, oh, we're gonna no. have rain like every day. No, <laughs> Noah, have a great weekend, buddy. <laughs> oh man, uh, that was good. <laughs> you think he's ever heard that before? Oh, I'm no. sure. No, Plenty. he hasn't. Plenty. <laughs> Coming up, it's the bird <laughs> watch on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, time for a little Bird Watch here on the opening drive. And CD goes first. Randy, for me, uh, I want to see pitching and I want to see defense. I want to see a defense behind our pitchers that is not booting balls. We had the the incident a couple of games ago with Tommy Edmond having two errors back-to-back games costing runs and essentially costing those games. You saw the Lars Newtbar mishap in in center. Um, You've seen just kind of lack of communication on pop pop 
pop flies. Mm-hmm. Guys not communicating. Well, there was an incident with DeYoung and, and Arenado over a third where they almost ran into each other. I want to see sound defense. I want to see the fundamentals that Ali spoke about, playing the game the right way. We are a staff that I think is built on getting ground balls and, and, and allowing people to, to, to put balls in play. But you got to have a sound defense behind you. And, you know, just making the the – the right decision as opposed to making the tough one or, or, or not making the right play. I want to see those guys doing their job at a proficient level. That's what the Cardinals are built on. I know there's a lot of confusion about what the Cardinal way is, but the Cardinal way is pitching, defense, base running, and being aggressive. And that's what we grew up watching. That too, base running. Mm-hmm. Making sure you're not getting, you know, having dumb outs on the base paths. It's a lot of things, but it just boils down to the fundamentals of the games. The thing that you're taught from Little League on up. It's not anything uh, that's brought in that's new or nuanced in a level to a level that you are having trouble with it. It's the simple things. Getting in front of a ball, keeping it in front of you, not letting it bounce away, calling off another guy loud and clear so they can hear you. Yeah, it's loud in some places. Sometimes it's hard to hear, but making sure that they all are, are engaged and in tune and just doing the right things the right way. If you limit those mistakes, you will put yourself in a place, in a position to win those games. Guys, we use the term for a team, you are what your record says you are, and I'm going to apply that to an individual. I hope the Cardinals aren't fooled by what Paul DeYoung has provided in the week that he has been up. Now, has it been great? Yes. Has he hit for power? Yes. Has he been better than he's been in three years? Yes. But I believe the Cardinals are best served, in large part, going back to what you're talking about, CD, by having Brendan Donovan in the lineup. And I know he has not had the offensive season that he had last year. Last year he had a 394 on base. This year it's only a 313 on base so far. But I do think the Cardinals' best team right now, until Mason Wynn is ready and seasoned and in the lineup, has Tommy Edmond at short and Brendan Donovan at second base. And I hope the Cardinals don't get fooled by what they see right now. There's a lot of players that have hot weeks, and we've seen it with Paul DeYoung in the past, and I don't blame them for giving him an opportunity. Just keep him on the field while he's hot, but as soon as you see the glimpse of him going backward, and we all do when he plays, make sure that you get Brendan Donovan back in there on a regular basis and have that middle infield be Donovan and uh, Tommy Edmond. You you think it's fool's gold, what we're seeing yeah, right now? I do. You don't think it's gonna you don't think it can last for three weeks, a month, a month and a half? Maybe that, but not a whole season. And gotcha. hopefully he can do enough so that he could build up his market value. That's mm-hmm. I, I would hope that that's what the Cardinals want most, is to build his market value up so that, because they know what they have and other teams don't, so that they could get something for him. But this is a guy that over the last three seasons has had OPSs of 530, 674, 671. OPS pluses below average, 87, 85, and 53. He is what he is, and he's a swell guy, and he's a really good defensive shortstop. I think sometimes because of his offensive deficiencies, we tend to think about that as his, in his defense, but his defense is really good. But the, the offense is what we're talking about here, and I just don't think long-term that you're going to win now with a 29-year-old Paul DeYoung at shortstop. No, I, I agree with that. Um, not great. No. Well, my bird watch is something that is coming on the horizon. Do you guys see it? It is Adam Wainwright. The return of Adam Wainwright is on the horizon. 
We're getting close. We're getting close, guys. So he will make his third minor league rehab start on Sunday with AAA Memphis. The Cardinals manager, Ollie Marmol, said Wainwright, who pitched twice with AA Springfield, will start Sunday and will likely throw approximately 90 pitches. Now, they also did say, this was John Denton's article, that he was kind of lobbying to come back a little bit sooner for mm-hmm. his season debut. But that also would have meant that they would skip a start with struggling Steven Matz. So I thought that was a little interesting tidbit as well because, guys, we know Steven Matz hasn't been one of the starting pitchers that has been trending, I guess, in the right direction. He fell 0-3 with a 6.23 ERA after that last start. So I am interested to see what this starting rotation will look like with Adam Wainwright returning. And I think that him returning is huge for the Cardinals in many ways. He's reliable. He can go a little bit deeper into games, you would hope at least. We're hoping that he's going to be completely healthy, so it'll be interesting to see how this rehab start goes on Sunday. But you just can't seem to beat Wayno at the big league level and what he brings and also the team aspect. When we talked to him on Wednesday, you know, he said basically he doesn't know exactly what it's like in this clubhouse right now, but he is eager to get back because that is a very important voice to have in there. And we talked about that, you know, having leadership in that room, how big of a difference it can be. You don't have Wayno around as much. You know, you lost Yadier Molina and that voice in the room. Albert Pujols as well. You don't have Skip as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of voices that have been around for a while that have been missing around this clubhouse, and you have to think that that factors into it as well, too. My hope is that as the Cardinals assemble their rotation with Adam Wainwright back, they remember... Hello! You play to win <laughs> the game. Because, in my opinion... If you take Jake Woodford out of the rotation and keep Steven Matz in, you aren't playing to win the game every day. Hello? You play to win the game. I think you having getting Adam Wainwright back is going to be beneficial. I'm looking at the the starts that these guys have. 26 starts among the, the five starters. You got five quality starts, and you got six wins. Mm-hmm. That That's not great. And, and so you got to get a guy that is going to get in there, give you innings, give you wins, Obviously, winning the game is is dependent upon how well you hit at the plate. Also, you can't win a game if you don't score. But giving those quality innings, giving those quality starts, and making sure that you are there performing at your best. And I think Adam, a healthy Adam Wainwright, will allow them to to be better in that department. And by the way, you, you talk about needing to score runs. You got to realize, and the Cardinals, did they wind up stealing a base yesterday? Or are we still at 15 stolen bases for our squad I think I don't think we stole a base. Let me just double check here. I don't want to get this wrong because Ronald Acuna has 13 stolen bases. Ronald Acuna, one player. Oh, yes, they did. Yeah, they did. So the Cardinals are up to 16. They're on a roll. But Ronald Acuna <laughs> has 13 by himself. Oh, my God. So shouldn't, shouldn't the Cardinals, again, getting back to the Cardinal way, have more than 16 stolen bases? And by the way, I hear about, well, they haven't had the lead much. You know what? I watched the Cardinals win pennants in 1985 and 87. It is allowed to try to steal bases when you're trailing and score runs. It is. is? Yeah, it is. Well, especially, once again, you have the rule changes that kind of pushes teams and players more in that direction of wanting to do that, you would think. Yeah. And so I would hope the Cardinals would recognize that there is another avenue for them to try to score runs. There's a text from the 618. The Cardinal way no longer exists. I would tend to agree with that. It's the the things we talked about, mm-hmm. the fundamentals, the fielding, pitching, base running. Those things are not happening at this point. When did the car, when did this Cardinal way 
uh, disappear. If you go back two years ago, Kerry, I believe the Cardinals had the fewest errors in Major League Baseball. Yes, they were really good. And they lost the fewest runners on the bases in Major League Baseball. Hmm. They were fundamentally, they were extremely sound. And the reason the Cardinal way existed is because of George Kissel. And I don't know that there is a real tie now that Mike Schilt had to the way that, I guess, Jose Oquendo, but he's he's in Florida yeah. with, with Florida State guys. But throughout the system, I don't think that there is that attention to detail or the, the teaching philosophies that were espoused by George Kissel. So I would say a couple of years, and I think we're slowly but surely seeing the de- deterioration of those fundamentals. How do you get back to it? I don't know if you do. I don't know you, if you do. Ever? Because you, you can't keep players in the minors long anymore. You hardly have any minor league players. It used to be the players stayed in the minors, got 1,000, 1,500 at-bats down there, were able to play the field, and were drilled on a regular basis on the fundamentals. You can't blame a guy like Jordan Walker, who's played, what, 200 innings, 198 innings before this year in the outfield of minor league baseball. You can't blame him that he's not fundamentally drilled out there. And mm-hmm. th- that's just... One snapshot, but they play Brendan Donovan all over the 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 uh, the field. They they do the same thing with Tommy Edmond on his way. Remember how it was third, second, yeah. short. Who has a position? The guys that have positions came from other teams. Here. Yeah, I, I think that matters. I think you are, as I said earlier, uh, a couple of days ago, when you are working on the same things over and over and over again, those repetitions, they build up and you start to have a lot more success when you're able to practice the things that you're going to do in the game. It's difficult to, and that's one thing that I said frustrated me with Jordan Walker is that he played left field all of spring training and then you moved him to right field. I just think that that's, it's vastly different from how the ball comes off of the bat. It just looks different. And so now you're, you're trying to scramble and figure out how to play this position and you haven't practiced it in real time in game time. It just changes. It kind of changes everything for you in, in, a, in, in an instance. Yeah, it really it, it's nice to be able to win games because you didn't make mistakes. Yes. That's Birdwatch on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our Rush Hour Reset. Your Cardinals are winners. We even got a song for it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. The Cardinals win. Cardinals are coming. The Cardinals are coming. The Cardinals are coming. The The Cardinals are coming. The Cardinals are The Cardinals are I need game. to do one more, two more. I don't know. Room. You want to have a winning I need, a, I need at least three, and I'll feel. Then I'll Monday morning. Oh. <laughs> or what about just? I feel like if you you get all of like the bad juju away, if you can win the first game of a series. Yeah. Flaherty throws. I feel like over. when that happens. Yeah, let's try it. No, that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't really it. happen, does it, Brooke? No, it hasn't thus it far. Hasn't That's what I'm yet. saying. It you just break that little curse. Yeah. Please. Good idea. It's 9.04, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals did play old school Cardinal baseball yesterday. 
uh, bottom of the fifth inning, bases loaded, Tyro Estrada at the plate, and it was defense that really set the tone for the Cardinals. Little tapper. Race to the plate. And he tag in time. What a play by Kisner. Unbelievable effort from Andrew Kisner to erase VR at the plate. He's the only man that could have made the play, and somehow he did to keep this game scoreless. Love the effort. And then we get to the top of the seventh inning, and a guy that's taken a hit or two on the opening drive said, to heck with you, opening drive. Swing drive, hit high in the air toward right. That ball is going, going, gone. It's one nothing. That was Alec Burleson with the home run there. Or Burlington, as Burlington, some like yeah. to call it. That's taking a hit. <laughs> a burly bomb. And what a nice response. Um, but, yeah, he hasn't been doing too much prior to that. No, but he did. And then Edmund with an RBI hit. Carlson with an RBI hit. And then later on, Paul DeYoung with a two-run bomb. Swing and a high, towering fly ball to left. At the track, at the wall, it is gone! Paul DeYoung with a mammoth two-run homer. Mammoth two-run homer in the Cardinals roll by a score of 6-0. Miles Michaelis, a terrific performance. And now the Cardinals will take on the Doyers in the opener of a three-game series tonight. Jack Flaherty going for the Redbirds. He'll be opposed by Dustin May, a.k.a. Carrot Top, for the Dodgers. Battle of the Irishmen, as Mm -hmm. I said. Who will come out on top? I don't know. But now, here's the thing. The Cardinals at least have a chance. As you may or may not know, the 2023 World Champion Pirates knocked off the (laughs) Dodgers yesterday. And the Dodgers have been relegated to... What did you say? The 2023 World Series Champion Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, they already crowned them? Well, don't we win World Series in April in this town? <laughs> don't we do that? I don't, I don't think that's how that goes. Don't we win them and lose them in April? I thought I, I didn't think October. Why? Why should we bother about September? It's all over in in April. You got a point there, Randy. <laughs> you're, you know, you're right. So the Dodgers are at 500. They're 13 and 13. They're still a uh, full game behind the Arizona Diamondbacks. Congratulations to all you people down in Arizona with the first place team. And the Padres are under 500 too. Padres are under 500. You know, uh, mm. they, they spend money and make trades. They got a lot of money being spent, didn't they? Mm-hmm. A whole they lot do, of you do. think how, how do you think radio goes in that town when they spend that much money and aren't, oh, aren't I, having I success? I think they come out and say, oh, you know what, the Padres lost, but you know, a couple hours, we're going to be on the golf course. It doesn't it's, really matter. It's San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it, really it's, matter. <laughs> it's probably 75, 80 degrees, cool, not, yeah. not too uh, warm. What, what's the, the beach s- is right there. Yeah. What's the saddest you can possibly be while driving to the beach? Like the absolute saddest you can be while driving to the beach, really. I, if really. you're dumping out somebody's ashes. That's the saddest. Oh, yeah, other than that. I'm, I'm just saying. You asked a question. My brain went there as well. I'm just thinking. There's there's some moments where you might be a little sad and somber going to the beach. You asked a question, I answered. So here's the thing. If you're going to the beach to dump out some ashes, that's probably where they wanted to be dumped out. And now you have a moment where you're smiling again because they're where they want to be and you you think about all the great things. Unless have you seen those videos where the ashes come back oh, and like yeah. hit the people that's, in the face? Okay, not... I'll stop now. We'll move on. <laughs> we'll move on. Anyways, Andrew Kisner, huh? I don't know how he got the Padres in death. <laughs> <laughs> but we did a weird turn there. <laughs>
the NFL draft last night. No surprise, Bryce Young was the number one overall selection by the Carolina Panthers, the uh, 5'10", 204-pound quarterback out of Alabama. Then Houston, with the second pick, took Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. He's not a test taker. He just plays football. And then the (laughs) Texans also traded up to get Will Anderson, the outside linebacker slash edge rusher from Alabama. So Alabama has two of the top three that go. The Colts took Anthony Richardson, uh, Florida the quarterback. Good luck with that, Colts. Uh, Javon Witherspoon, corner from Illinois, ILL. I-N-I. Goes number five overall to the Seattle Seahawks. And then the Arizona Cardinals, who had traded down to number 12 from number three, traded back up to number six. And they took Ohio State offensive tackle Paris Johnson Jr. So out of the top six, you've got two Alabama players and two Ohio State players. And what essentially Arizona gets out of trading from three to six is a number one pick next year. They they traded down, and then when they traded back up, they had to give a second-round pick this year, which they, I think that one was 11, or no, it was the 33rd and 34th picks. So they, they basically kept the exact same second-round pick, but they get a number one for next year just to move down three spots, which isn't too bad. And they got their left tackle. They got yeah. the guy that they wanted, probably, not probably, the best offensive lineman in the draft in uh, Paris Johnson. So it's going to be, they need someone to protect Kyler Murray. He needs to be comfortable. I, when you're that small, one of my issues or concerns is when you have really big linemen mm-hmm. seeing over him. Obviously, obviously that's always going to be an issue. But finding those windows and making sure that he can get the ball to the receivers. And it seems like DeAndre Hopkins will be there. Mm-hmm. And so he will have that that guy to throw to, which is always beneficial when you got a guy that has – Randy, he has four – he wears 4X gloves. Those are big hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. He has like some of the largest hands for a receiver that I've I've ever heard or seen. So he's uh he's good at catching footballs. Anything about the first round that struck you that is a, a story, Brooke? Will Levis. I would I would like to bring that round. up. Yeah. I would like to bring that up because wow, what a what a fall that was. And I always I kind of hate when they a guy who's you are projecting to go a little bit higher and then it doesn't happen and they just keep going to those shots of him waiting and waiting. Those mm-hmm. are sometimes the saddest, but I quickly compiled for you guys a list that Twitter users said of why Levis dropped in the draft. Would you like to hear this? We would like to hear those, yes. Okay. So, one, he drinks his coffee with mayo sometimes. That's sick. Ooh, yeah. Which, he, there's a video of this, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's actual video proof. Not two, um, an NFL executive said that the left toe for Will Levis was a concern, which um, he says the toe has healed. But some found it problematic because he was out for two games for that. Interesting. Ooh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, my other favorite is that supposedly, to according to some Twitter users, his teammates didn't attend his 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that probably says more than you than, think. That yeah. they, you think the NFL yeah. scouts would be like, uh, mm, well, that's it was a big always mark. Fonte back. <laughs> Here, here's the here's the reason. <laughs> here's the reason. If you are throwing a party and your friends or teammates don't show up, that means, and you're the quarterback back that speaks volumes to to you know what people think about you that are around you that could be I mean that could be concerning if I were if I were drafting a guy and you're the starting quarterback and you don't have people there that want to be there with you yeah that that would uh that would cause some concern for me no uh Bo Callahan what was yeah Bo Callahan uh the the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and team captain from the University of Wisconsin same thing happened to him uh, when the Cleveland Browns took Vontae Mack instead, oh. and uh, and Bo Callahan 
It was always Fonte Mack. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Kevin Costner character didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, you asked me who did I think, uh, well, you asked us who did who mm-hmm. else did we think did well in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle did really well. I like the the picks that they made. Jackson with, Smith with, and Jigba. Yeah, they they, they added. Them. Yep, they added the receiver. They added another DB to go with Tariq Woolen. They are they are doing something, and and they they didn't reach for a quarterback. They actually said Pete Carroll told Geno Smith that they could potentially be drafting a quarterback in this draft, just giving him a heads up, which I think is the smart thing to do. But they didn't go. They didn't need to reach for it. And I also like what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They yeah. got Jalen Carter. Didn't press. He failed to them at nine. And then you go and get Nolan Smith later in. In the, in the first round, you got they, they are building Georgia North mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in Philadelphia. They got a lot of Georgia defenders there, uh, and they're doing a good job finding guys that are national champions that have played a lot of great football, have success, understand schemes, and understand how to play the game. I think what uh, what Philadelphia did was really what was really good as well. All right, there's your rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Later today. Our official show team, the Steelers, have the first pick of the second round. We're going to find out from Kerry what he wants the Steelers to do with pick number 32. That's coming your way next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The NFL Draft will resume with coverage at 5 o'clock this afternoon after the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Round 2 starts with the Pittsburgh Steelers owning the first pick of the second round to number 32 overall. Then the Arizona Cardinals, the Detroit Lions will pick third in the second round, Indianapolis, and then the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, will mess up the 36th pick unless they trade down. And we're, we're all rooting for that. CD, of course. the top player, according to Mel Kuyper, available is Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback out of Penn State, the son of former Steeler Joey Porter. Is that a good match? The Steelers do need a corner. They, they added Patrick Peterson in the offseason. And so they still need some, some young depth. Um, and that would just be a great story. I, I know, you know... Peasy is what we call him. Joey mm-hmm. Porter was was a teammate of mine, and uh, I mean one of the hardest, hard nosed guys you could be around. Played with, really understands the game, and his son is a long, lengthy cornerback that does all of the things right. Surprising that he didn't get drafted in the first round because I think most people thought that he would be. Um, but if he falls to Pittsburgh, I mean you really can't write a better story than that for your father to play in the same organization, mm-hmm. you to get drafted in the second round early, which is essentially a first round pick because you know the the Miami Miami lost out on their on their first round pick so um i think it would be an awesome story if the stillers went that direction one of the players that might get drafted probably not tonight we're probably looking for tomorrow but from mizzou isaiah mcguire the defensive end has a chance to go as well and the draft may have changed a little bit during the day yesterday for all of our discussion about lamar jackson over the course of the the late winter and early spring Lamar does get a deal done with the Ravens yesterday and they wind up taking rather than a quarterback a wide receiver Mm -hmm. with their first round pick Zay Flowers but they're set up in really good shape now in Baltimore. Yeah, it seems as though Baltimore heard Lamar's complaints, his gripes. They went out and got OBJ. They signed, they drafted Zay Flowers yesterday, who was a dynamic receiver from Boston College. And if they're healthy, Randy, you get J.K. Dobbins running the football in the way that he can, they are going to be a, a team that is hard to stop. You got Mark Andrews, who is one of the top tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of things offensively that will allow them to be great. And now 
you changed your offensive coordinator, so you're not going to be so run-based as you have been in the past few years. You're going to spread out, and hopefully one of the issues that they had was they had receivers running in the same spot over and over again. And when you see that, you think, well, those guys are messing up. But when it's happening repeatedly, you're saying, no, that's the scheme. That's how the how it's drawn up. And so you get a new OCN who can hopefully find receivers to be in different spots and not be covered by one defender. Uh, and Lamar should have one of those breakout seasons, passing and running, maybe an MVP caliber type of year again. All right, let's touch on a couple of other teams. Brooks, Tennessee Titans, who needed a left tackle with the departure of Taylor Lewin. And they, hey, when you have... Derrick Henry, and it appears they're still going to have Derrick Henry on their team. And especially if Ryan Tannehill is still your quarterback, you need to have a pretty good offensive line. And, Brooke, they needed the the left tackle, and they got one. Yeah, and I really, from everything I've read, I I really like that that choice happened. I was really, really worried because it would be so Titans to pick up Will Levis. And I think (laughs) as he started dropping... Titans fans were very concerned, including myself. I was sweating a little bit, but this just makes sense. And they even said, you know, we want to protect protect our quarterback. So it seems like we're still sticking with the Tannehill and Willis combo for the Titans' foreseeable future. We'll see how that mm-hmm. goes. Um, but you like it because Taylor Lewan, obviously, he's gone. He's doing very well with his podcast, and this just makes sense. And I know that some people, I saw that people were talking about his arms being too short and his length. I don't know. Luan even came out to his defense and said that that doesn't matter. Well, uh, uh-huh. he, he played offensive line, so I won't argue with him, but I would say Taylor Luan has long arms. So he does. It, it probably a shorter arm person would be able to speak to this better than he would. It does matter. <laughs> if you can get extension and, and get your arms out and the offensive lineman cannot put their hands on you, it makes a, a, a huge difference of whether or not you're going to block that guy. So... I think that you have evidence of this, sir. Well, so there was a time we were playing the Houston Texans many, many moons ago, and there's a guy named he's a very, very good football player, Mario Williams. Oh yeah, first overall draft pick Mm -hmm. at one point in his career. Um, We were playing the Texans in Pittsburgh, and Bruce Arians had an idea. CD, I need you to block Mario. Can you get it done? All practice long. Yeah, sure, I can get it done. Why wouldn't I? I play football too. I get paid to play. All right, get it done. We're gonna run this play action pass. You're gonna seal off the backside. You're gonna block Mario Williams by yourself. We're not going to have the left tackle block him that gets paid X number of dollars who's 6'7 and arms can reach 7'5". We're not going to worry about that. We're going to put you on him. 5'10 230 pounds versus a giant who is 6'4 with arms that reach out 7 feet. That sounds like the best plan for us in this moment. Can you do it? Sure! Gotcha. <laughs> Get over there. Ready, break. Ball is snapped. I'm there blocking Mario Williams until I'm not. He extends his arms. I am like a toddler reaching and can no longer touch Mario's shoulder pads. Mario extends, discards, throws me to the side. I tumble. I see Ben getting sacked, and I look up and say, I guess I can't block him. His arms are too long. My bad. I had a plan, Randy. And as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. My plan went awry when he extended his arms. No longer a good plan. So I'm looking it up. 34-inch arms and 35 is what they were looking for, I'm guessing. That's two inches. I am... Uh... I, I, yeah, he, he it's going to be, if you run into one of those guys, so Aaron Donald I don't think has extremely long arms, but he's quick. He's he's powerful, and he gets into you before you can uh, get set, and that's what allows him to have success. So 
if he's going to have success, he's going to have to do some of the some of the same okay. things of, of keeping defensive tackles off of his body before they get to him. So this is one positive of the NFL combine is getting more accurate results when it comes to measurements, I would mm-hmm. say. So you don't have I feel like colleges always add a few. I don't know. Maybe oh, yeah. I was they, they always fluff it. So that's the good part of the NFL scouting combine. Apparently his arms measured around 32 and a quarter inches. That's where the controversies mm, come yeah, from. Yeah. But he was listed as 34 and a quarter. And we got a texter who pointed out Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, 33 and three fourths. Yeah, wow. he, he's really good. Yeah, There's an exception so. to every rule. I want people to understand that's a, that. That's an inch and a half on Skaronsky. Yeah. Every that's, guy's always going to add at least an inch. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for, <laughs> waiting for that one, Randy. I just knew it was coming. That inch matters, right? <laughs> <laughs> to us, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so about those quarterbacks. Uh, no, I, I want to give want to want to give some uh, love to our friends across the state, the Chiefs, uh, because we have a couple of texts. We want to know what happened with the Chiefs. Well, they drafted a defensive end out of K State named Felix Andike Uzoma. Who, uh, after last year drafting George Karlaftis out of Purdue, they they need more pass rushers. Spags likes having pass rushers, so they got that guy. And they're going another team that's going to have to draft a wide receiver at some point during this draft, maybe two. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they lost Juju. McCall Harmon is gone, so they're definitely going to be looking for pass catchers. Um, you know, I think they. The, I don't worry about the Chiefs though. They they have shown, you know, with losing Tyreek Hill a couple of years ago, everyone was in a panic and a tizzy. Oh my goodness, we, we, who were? We? They have the number one guy in Travis Kelsey. He's their number yeah. one receiver. It doesn't matter who you put around him. They're going. He's going to catch a hundred balls a year. So you just got to find other guys around him that can catch 40, 50 passes and and alleviate some of the pressure that Travis will face. And you have a guy that can make everybody better. Yes. Right? Juju will never be better than he was last year. Tyreek, as great as he is, will never be better than he was with Patrick Mahomes. All of those guys are going to be at their best when they play with Patrick Mahomes. There's your NFL Draft reaction. It continues tonight here on 101 ESPN. By the way, tomorrow, day three coverage, 11 a.m. here on 101 ESPN. So a lot of NFL Draft coverage from ESPN Radio here on this very station. Next up, are we talking to Katie? Oh, we're good. Katie Wu of The Athletic going to join us to uh, talk about uh, how awesome things are going because the Cardinals are coming. Tra-la, tra-la. So we're going to talk about that. The Cardinals are coming. Tra-la, tra-la. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Swing and a high, towering fly ball to left. At the track, at the wall, it is gone! Paul DeYoung with a mammoth two-run home. Um, that's a good way to describe it. Everything does look kind of quiet, under control. Uh, the way he's taking pitches out of the zone right now looks really good. Uh, sliders down and away, not offering at him, and then doing damage whenever they come in the zone. But it's looked really good. The Cardinals win! Cardinals are coming! Uh, Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. We go to the celebrity line. We go to Southern California today where Katie Wu from The Athletic is standing by. This is her favorite trip of the year because Katie is a native of the Bay Area. Uh, Katie, first of all, good morning. Thanks for getting up early in L.A. How was San Francisco? Of course, Randy. Good morning. San Francisco was great. It is always so exciting for me to go back to that ballpark and go back and see some friends and family. Um, but from a 
professional standpoint, you know, not a lot of fun things to write about in San Francisco this series. No, it was not great. Do you get garlic fries when you go to Oracle Park? Um, yes, once once a series, you have to do it. It's, I mean, it's uh, certainly a, a delicacy, I would say, in San Francisco. So, yes, I did do that. And you mentioned not a lot of great things to, to write about, not a lot of great things to watch if you're a Cardinal fan over the course <laughs> of those four days. But... Did did something happen yesterday? Was could yesterday have been the event, or do you think that was just kind of an anomaly? You know, I thought yesterday was perhaps the Cardinals' most complete win of the season. I think you know, obviously, Miles Michaelis did not get off to the start that he wanted, but what we saw from Miles yesterday was much more indicative of what he looked like last season. I think that version of Miles Michaelis is what the Cardinals have been expecting. You look at the offense. I know Logan Webb is a, he's a good pitcher. He's their ace of the of the Giants staff and. For the Cardinals to be able to break through in the seventh there uh, with that Alec Burleson home run, that's pretty exciting. So I'm not sure if it was a break. I do think one thing that went well for the Cardinals that hasn't gone well really all season was the bases loaded play with Andrew Kisner um, diving into home plate against Tyro Estrada there. Off the bat, you kind of think, oh, no, this is kind of the play where things go sideways and something bad happens. But for Kiz to make that play on, a, honestly, a really tough read, that was encouraging for me. So we will see, but um, certainly a big start for Jack Flaherty tonight as these Cardinals look to ride ride their ship. Well, and Katie, obviously the big story this week was Jordan Walker getting sent down. Was that a move that you were surprised about? I know that you wrote about it on The Athletic. Was that a move that you were surprised about? And were you guys able to talk to Jordan after that? And what do you think that his feelings were and how he's going to handle this? And how soon do you think that we'll see him again? So we were not able to talk to Jordan, um, but... What both Ollie Marmel and John Mozeliak said, and I don't think this is a surprise, if you know, obviously you guys have gotten to know Jordan a little bit as well, he handled it like a total professional. Obviously, it's very disappointing. Um, I, I certainly understand the fans' frustration behind the move, but Jordan was very receptive. Ollie remarked on the questions that Jordan asked. It was, okay, what do I need to work on here? Or if I do this, what can I expect the outcome to be? He was very prepared, very understanding that this was a move that was in management and the front office's view, better for the team. Um, obviously, Jordan Walker is an exceptional talent. I think Ollie used the word "super superstar to describe him on a Wednesday. And the Cardinals know he's going to be back. This, to me, was just a read of how, I don't want to say unprepared, but what happens when you have five outfielders trying to get consistent playing time. Unfortunately, Walker is the one who's in the lose-now situation, but by moving Walker down to the minors temporarily, it kind of ups the ante on the four remaining guys in Alex Rillison, Lars Newbar, Tyler O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson to go out there and play every day, see what you can do consistent playing time, and win some spots. I think that it's fair to say, okay, we have not been a consistent Cardinals team. The outfield has not played consistently. But from the player's perspective, how can the front office and management expect the Cardinals and the outfield to play consistently when no one is getting playing or consistent playing time? And that's not because they're underperforming. It's because, really, if you think about it, the Cardinals have so much depth, it was, it was impossible for those, for those five players to see playing time every day. So... I do understand the rationale behind the Walker move. Do I think it is so disappointing for fans? Absolutely. Uh, the good news is that he'll be back. 
Uh, and now we kind of get to see the reasonable expectations for Dylan Carlson and the reasonable expectations for Tyler O'Neill and Newt Barr and Burleson going forward. What does that mean for the guys that are here now? As you said, you got four outfielders still. You can only play three, and we assume Jordan Walker will be back at some point. You got two guys that are still going to be on the outside looking in. How does this get sorted out uh, with those four guys and soon to be five at, whenever Jordan comes back? Well, it's going to be a competition, right? So each day these guys are out there playing for something. And we talked to Ollie over the series, and he said there's going to be three different variations of the outfield, but you can expect Tyler O'Neill to remain in left field uh, most of the time. And, you know, Tyler O'Neill has two gold gloves in left field, so that checks out. Um, a lot of these things sort of sort themselves out. You know, you obviously never want to go out there and predict injury, and that's certainly not what I'm doing, but those, that is a part of the game. And also the Cardinals are in a great position from a depth perspective, both at the major league uh, level and with their, uh, their pipeline in the farm system, to make a trade if they have to. So, it, again, not having Jordan Walker temporarily is really disappointing from a fan's perspective, but it does allow the Cardinals to figure out who they have in the outfield, who can play, who can they count on going forward, and also allows them to showcase possible trade potential for all of these guys because I think when the Cardinals started the season, you could make the argument that all five of those outfielders would start on at least 20 other major league teams, um, especially in Dylan Carlson's case, but he wasn't able to get that. So to wrap it up, I do think that uh, the Cardinals have a positive in their direction here because they are going to be able to create kind of their own I don't know, their own feel for their outfield, and they could possibly shop one, you know, come summer. Last question about the outfield. Was there any talks when Jordan went down that he could be working on a different position, maybe center field, or is he going to just stick with right field? He's going to stick with right field. Um, you know, it's it's really tough for a guy to go out and learn a new position at the professional level, regardless of what level it is, for Jordan to do that at the major league level and handle it the way that he has. I mean, I know he didn't look like the sharpest outfielder out there, but I think that was to be expected and how he handled those difficult routes and the reads. He'll only get better in AAA there. But the big focus that they want Jordan to, the Cardinals want Jordan to focus on, is his offense. Um, you look at the ground ball rate, he hasn't really been in the air much. The hard hit velocity is excellent. You want him to keep that, but the Cardinals do want him to tweak a little bit of his adjustment, a little bit of his posture to get the ball in the air more, and he'll be able to do that with much more ease and a lot less pressure and definitely more consistent playing time all in Memphis. Katie Wu, who does a sensational job covering the Cardinals for The Athletic, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Katie, I want to go back to that uh, that phrase you use: reasonable expectations for these outfielders. And you mentioned Dylan Carlson. Do you feel like since last July, when John Mozeliak in Washington, D.C., went to Dylan Carlson and said, look, we aren't trading you, that those reasonable expectations on the part of the ball club have changed? That's a great question, Randy. And honestly, I'm not sure because I don't think we've seen Dylan Carlson enough this season to know what his expectations are. And that goes back to what we just talked about with the outfield. You know, Dylan is an exceptional talent. He's young, switch hitting. I think, I think in my opinion, from the eye test, I know the metrics don't always back it up, that Carlson is their best defensive center fielder. You'd like to see him get going a little bit more against the left side, but the Cardinals are more optimistic than they were last year of where he is from that standpoint. I mean, I think at one point, when he was one of the top prospects in the organization, the hope was that Carlson could be their starting right fielder of the future because at the time there was Harrison Bader. Um, I'm not sure if the expectations have dwindled for Carlson yet, but I think that's what the Cardinals are trying to find out. And it's not just a Dylan thing. He does seem to look like the odd man out at the moment. And that's because the Cardinals don't know what they have really with Alex Burleson yet. 
and they're trying to figure out if what Lars Newbar did last second half it was sustainable and if that's a reasonable expectation for his career. So as you can tell, it's a little bit messy when we look at just how do you figure out what the Cardinals need from Dylan because they're also trying to figure out what they can expect from all of the other outfielders at the same time. Adam Wainwright will be getting one more rehab start this upcoming Sunday. How do you see things shaking out with his return? Because we've seen that Steven Matz is one of the starting pitchers that's still kind of struggling a little bit. But how does uh, things change when Waino returns to the starting rotation? Yeah, that's a good question, Brooke. I think when you look at the rotation, you look at performance, Jake Woodford has done a very admirable job in that um, in that fifth role or fifth starter role, if you will. Um, and Stephen Matz's struggles are, are legit. Uh, but we talked to Ollie yesterday after the win, and the question was, you know, if Adam does come back, this was before it had been decided that he was going to go on that rehab start, could Matz be someone that moves to long relief? And Ollie is pretty – or the question was, you know, what are you telling Matz right now? And Ollie was like, I'm just telling Matz, I'm patting him on the back, and I'm saying go get him. Um, he understood the question, but it seems like they're going to keep Matz in their rotation, keep him as that left-handed option. Um, and if you're looking at the five, I think, again – Woodford was the last one in the rotation, so it makes sense that he's the first one out, but certainly no knock on him. What makes Woodford so valuable is his versatility. He can be that spot starter. He can do long relief. Um, but I think what, what the Cardinals really need from Adam is that leadership standpoint. I think they've been a little bit lost without him. I mean, he is invaluable in that aspect. And look, I, I know he was on your show yesterday, when, uh, Wednesday. I know the velocity is a thing, but I think we're all aware that his velocity has never been in the mid-90s. Uh, you don't need him to be there. You just need Adam Wainwright to be able to pitch like the pitch maker that he is. So hopefully the Cardinals get him back in both ways uh, after his rehab start on Sunday. They could certainly need him. But the starting rotation, honestly, this, uh, this road trip has looked a lot better. Hey, Katie, one last thing before we let you go. And I ask this because I, I have great respect for your ability to to kind of have your finger on the pulse of the mood of a clubhouse. How is this group now going through these struggles? What's the mood like down there? Well, I'll tell you this, Randy. You walk in after a clubhouse after the first win for a while, and the music was so loud, it almost took me back. It surprised <laughs> me. I was like, it's been a minute since I walked into a clubhouse that had a little bit of personality. Um but that's to be expected, right? Obviously, you're not you're not going to do that during a loss. I will say this to the Cardinals' credit: off to their most disappointing start in literally 50 years, and every day you walk into that clubhouse pregame, and they are exactly the same. Like obviously, they're not happy by any means of how they're playing, but they're relaxed, they're loose, they're easy to talk to, they're approachable. Um, I think Ollie's done a tremendous job in trying to answer questions, um, you know, on what's going wrong when no one in that clubhouse really has an idea. Um, I think the Cardinals' ability to keep a steady, level head has prevented this from somehow spiraling even worse. And if you're asking yourself, well, how could it get any worse? I promise you it can. Um, <laughs> And even after games, you know, they're frustrated, they're upset, they don't know what's going wrong, but they're always available to answer questions. And I never caught a sense of panic from the clubhouse. I 100% caught a sense of bewilderment or frustration or um, just kind of like this is absurd from the clubhouse, but they never panicked. And I think that to me was enough for me not to sound the alarm. You look at the, the talent on the roster. You look at the talent on paper. The options that the Cardinals can do come the trade deadline with their depth. And it allows you to take a deep breath, right, and say, okay, they cannot be this bad for this long. There is just no way. And I think the Cardinals' internal confidence in themselves 
helps keep them somewhat afloat during what has just been, honestly, a brutal April. Katie Wu, great stuff as always. Thanks so much. We advise everybody who doesn't have a subscription to The Athletic to get one to read your sensational work covering the ball club. Have a great weekend in L.A., and we'll see you next week. Guys, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Katie Wu from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. And roll. And Matthew Rocky, what do you got for us? Yeah, I didn't want to bring this up when the Cardinals were really struggling because it's positivity about a, about an NL team. But now that they've won a game, I can I can bring this up without people getting mad positive about something uh, about an NL, about a different about NL a team. different team. Yeah, it's so it's still Eeyore like. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed, but Bryce Harper is close to returning for the Philadelphia Phillies. Mm. And this would be one of the most incredible injury returns in Major League Baseball history, and specifically Tommy John history. There was a 2018 study of position players who underwent Tommy John surgery, and the average player return time was 382 days or 12 and a half months. Right now, if he's on the schedule that the Phillies have him on, it will take... Bryce Harper, 163 days, almost half of that time to return. One of the quickest ones ever in baseball. Randy Carricker, tell me if you remember this one. Tony Womack came back from Tommy John uh, surgery to play in 182 games to play in 2004. Oh, yeah. Do they have um, Do they have the amount of time it took Shohei to come back? They do not know. Okay, because Shohei came back and hit. Because this is just position player so, so oh, okay. with the pitching aspect of his trap okay got it but he, he, he was a position player too that too but yeah. both okay the uh Bryce Harper is coming back and going to play some first base too yeah which is I'm sure is going to help not having to throw as much yeah it's going to be good for him so know. when did he have the surgery after the world series obviously um so it would it would be right now if, if he if he comes back on May 5th it'll be 163 days so okay 163 days back from May 5th good math if you do uh Ken Daly, who's probably listening right now, Cardinal left-hander. I think it was after the 86 season, he had surgery, was a free agent, and had the surgery after the season in October, and November, December, January, February, March, April, came back in May after six months. Hmm. A pitcher, and he was great. So the Tommy John is the ulnar nerve. Yeah, they, replacing they, the ulnar collateral ligament with a ligament from your leg oh, or, or a forearm. It. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was told I they were going to move mine. Okay. Oh. Well, yeah. they, that's to relieve nerve pain. Yes, nerve impingement. Yeah, I, I but lose feeling. When you tear it, they take that you've got. I think four. I think you got two in the forearm, okay. one in each forearm, one in each leg that they can replace it. They with. take it out of your leg and put it in your arm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Izzy's uh, Izzy's listening. Izzy's had three, I think. And I think he only has one left. <laughs> that sounds yeah. painful. Yeah. Good thing he got out when he did. Yeah. Did you ever hear about what's the, what's the one in your that rolls up your bi- bicep, bicep tendon? Bicep tendon. You ever hear this story? <laughs> that uh, John Elway had bicep tendonitis, was bothering him throughout uh, training camp, and they were thinking about doing surgery, which would have put him down. Mm-hmm. Playing in a game? or No, it was in practice. And the thing just snapped, and it rolls <gasps> like a spring yeah. up yep. into the arm. And never bothered him again. 
because oh. it, it was just gone. You don't need it. It, just, it literally just rolled like a spring up in, into his arm. Never had to have surgery. Just, those are those yeah. are some of the most interesting injuries to see when you see. I seen a hamstring torn mm. and rolling. It, oh, yep. it was like it was it was purple. <laughs> and that's sticking out, right? Yeah, it, it sticks yeah, out like, like a couple oh, inches. It yeah. was it was some of this stuff. I think I've seen somebody. Uh, tear a bicep and, and seen it roll not seen it actually roll up but after it rolled up mm-hmm. just kind of dangling in the in, in Brooks face if you get slow, if you get slow motion um, <laughs> from the back angle when somebody tears their Achilles you oh, see yeah. you see a ripple up the back of their leg yeah. I was with Mike Young when he tore his Achilles yeah, oh, and, and, and it was you see a ripple was, up the back of the leg it's so bad it, sound, it was like you get shot. No. It sounded like, like he, he thought somebody kicked him, and he looked mm-hmm. back, yeah. and his foot just wouldn't flex anymore. Yep. That's like when yep. KD, remember? Yep, yep. Because like there's the, the like the tendons and how much like stress is mm-hmm. on him. It's literally just like it's like you got a bunch of rubber bands yeah. and you cut them all at once. Yeah. Did um, you ever have one by the way an injury that you saw that like the Napoleon McCallum or uh, Willis McGahee? Those well, were Willis's ones that was, visually was were pretty disgusting. Willis's was bad. It was a tight end for the Bears a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, that tore the nerve. That had had a nerve issue yeah. in his Almost knee. Almost killed him. Yeah, though when you get hit, if that knee is planted and somebody dives into it, whew, yeah, you don't want that. No. I want to give credit, by the way, to, uh, to the athletics, Matt Gelb, who covers the Phillies, mm-hmm. who, who had all those numbers about Bryce Harper and did a great story. I take the credit yourself. He's not listening. There you go. Uh, speaking of which, at about 7 a.m., Brian Windhorst, I'm not going to steal this story from him. Brian Windhorst uh, uh, put out a story for ESPN. The Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury have struck a deal that cancels, that finishes out their Bally Sports contract, and they are now going to have all their games broadcast for free on local television channels. That? That's the new owner there. Yeah, Matt Ishiba? Matt, yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, Matt Ishbia said, we're not yeah. focusing on money. We're focusing on winning, success, and taking care of fans, taking care of the community. What happens is you always end up making more money that way. It always works out. They did point out that they're going to go from 800,000 households to 2.8 million households. Mm, mm, mm. That is a, a, a fantastic idea thought mm-hmm. someone to think we're gonna take care of fans yeah. we're gonna nah no and here and here's why here's why it works. Long. we're gonna have more fans than ever before we're gonna have more people who will have eyeballs on booker Aiton, durant and paul and cheer them on and more people will be buying merchandise because they're even bigger fans i do agree with that smart more and, people will be showing up buying tickets too and Windhorse refers to this at the very beginning of the article as perhaps both a game changer and tipping point. And I do think this is probably the first of a number of stories like this coming down the pipe. Cord cutting still happened, by the way. By yes. the way, they, they do have to find people to watch TV. They are, and they are going to be <laughs> offering. They are going to be offering a streaming option for the Suns and the Mercury games. They have not decided the price point yet, but they do have a carrier for the streaming option. So there is another option to keep going with the cord cutting for people who don't. I, but then again, I'm pretty sure if you live in Phoenix, Tucson, or Tempe, pretty sure you're just going to need rabbit ears to watch you on have a television. You get an HD. Do you have one HD of those whole things? But still, I mean, it costs 12 bucks. Yeah, 12 bucks. I mean, that's that's not bad. Not at all. Pretty nice. No, it's a, you know what? And that's what people, the, the reason people are mad, like about Valley, because they don't want to pay yeah. for watching sports on TV. So they, they, they want it free. Well, now with Phoenix, at least, you'll be able to get it free. Look what happens when you get an owner who isn't a complete scumbag. Yeah, it's pretty things. good. Yeah, pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. He seems to be impressive, though. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. 
pleasure. You're just doing great with the buttons today. <laughs> He's hitting, yeah. They're not my friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Brooke, this was a, a fun week. Yes, it was. And congratulations on Peter Skaronsky. At least we know he's smart. Yes, he yes. might not be able to play a lick in well, short arms, but he's maybe, smart. Maybe he can work on his arm length. Yeah. yeah I don't you think... always have time to grow. Just stretch him out. I don't know. Yeah, those nerds up north, he'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, CD? I pull bears. Yeah. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. I'm headed over to Seidenstricker Nobby to sell some John Deere tractors. I hope you'll join me over there this afternoon from 11 to 1. It's going to be just an awesome time. It's at Merrimack Valley Plaza off of 141. You can browse their selection of, of John Deere green equipment. We've got Tim McKernan and Action Jackson coming up with a balloon party. And then BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2. And then the Fast Lane from 2 to 5 heading into the NFL Draft today here on 101 ESPN. For all of us, until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.